Hey everybody, it's comedian Trent McClellan, and you're listening to my podcast called The Generators. Every single week I have a cool guest and we talk about uh, life, professions, creativity, success, failure, and all sorts of other cool stuff. In every single one of these conversations, I learn a great deal, and I'm pretty sure you're going to learn a great deal, too. So uh, hang on tight, and thanks for listening to The Generators. June 18th, 2018, and uh, this is another episode of the Generators Podcast with me, Trent McClellan. So thanks for listening. Huh? Recording this intro today in my house here in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, real sweet guest on this one. You know, when I had this idea to do the podcast in this form of having a guest every single week, my goal was that we would have just normal organic conversations and let the curiosity just go wherever it may go. And uh, I just wanted the guests to be real and authentic and uh, just have it just be relaxed, you know. And so uh, I don't know if there's an episode that better um, epitomizes that vibe than this episode with uh, Mike Commodore. Mike Commodore is a former NHL uh, defenseman and uh, played on numerous teams in the NHL over, I think, about 14 years, um, including Tampa, Carolina Hurricanes, and, uh, of course, the Calgary Flames. He was uh, part of that great 0-4 run when they uh, almost won the Stanley Cup, went to Game 7 against Tampa Bay, and we get into that. Um, that stretch, which was really kind of a magical time for me, especially because I just moved to the city. And, uh, you know, being in an NHL city for the first time was really, really cool. And to get caught up in that whole, you know, just the kind of, I I, just the, the momentum of, of that run that the Flames had, being underdogs and going all the way to the Stanley Cup final and being a goal, a goal away from winning the Stanley Cup was, was such a cool memory for me um, in terms of just moving here for the first time and, and kind of, you know, assimilating to, to Calgary. So... To have him, you know, talk about that time was uh, was extra was extra neat for me, and uh, so yeah, that's this episode, and uh, we're gonna get to that here in a little bit. But what have I been doing? You're probably saying to yourself, you know, Trent, what's going on with you in your world? Well, uh, I have been diligently working on my Just for Laughs set. Um, I've got a gala to record there in July, at the end of July. And so I have eight minutes that I'm supposed to do. And so I've been trying to take um, all the material that I have and kind of crunch it down and go, okay, what's an eight-minute you know, chunk that I can do? What material do I want to do? And so I've been trying to work that out on stage. So um, it's quite a process. I don't know if, if 
if you're not a comedian, you probably wouldn't know this, but it's, you know, you, you can't really go much over your time. You can't really go much under your time. You got to be as close to eight minutes, um, as you can be. And so you have to kind of account for not only the material in terms of when you're talking, but also laughter, like how long the audience is going to laugh for a bit estimated wise, because that's all part of your time. So I, uh, I've been, yeah, just doing sets around town, went to, uh, the laugh shop and did a bunch of sets and I was at Jupiter comedy here in Calgary and comedy Monday night, just trying to mess around with this eight minutes and, um, and figure out which set I want to do. I've already sent in, um, a version of just for laughs, but I do have room to, to change it towards the end. So now I'm just trying to fine tune it. And right now it's a little bit over when I first wrote it out, it seemed like it was going to be a little short, but now that I'm performing it, um, it seems to be over by a little bit. So I got to cut something and that may mean cutting a line or two or cutting a full joke. And so some big decisions to make, you know, because this thing is recorded and it's going to be played, um, on television for eternity, basically. So you, you kind of, uh, you kind of have to be a little bit, uh, precious and, uh, somewhat methodical about, you know, what material you want out there and how you're going to perform it. And uh, does it all come together and all those things? So that's what I've been up to over the last little while, trying to figure it out. And it's, uh, you know, it's like a little bit like chemistry. It's a uh, little of this, a little more of that, a little less of this. Pull that back, take that out, put that in. And, um, yeah. And it can keep you up at night if you let it. But I'm trying not to. I'm just grateful to be going to the festival. And I'm grateful that the material I've been I've been running the last few weeks has been working really well so that's kind of a good problem to have that you know you you kind of have to trim it down to some uh some level that's uh some form that's you know under eight minutes so that's the goal right now so i'll continue to do that and hopefully get it finalized in the next uh in the next week and have it settled so i don't have to worry about it anymore i just can kind of tuck it away and then move on to doing some new stuff and for the rest of the summer and have fun and then start you know uh rehearsing it again and take it to to just for laughs, which I'm excited about. Um, I wasn't expecting to go this year, so uh, it was a great surprise to find out I was going. And uh, I also have some other some other uh, comedian colleagues who are going to be attending, so it, it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Montreal is a fantastic city, beautiful in the summer, and uh, I uh, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be um, a fun time to just go. I think the first time I went, if I'm honest. I was a lot more nervous, I think. It was my first time going, and you hear so much about this festival. It's so iconic, and you hear these stories of back in the day, someone got a TV deal, and da-da-da-da. And so those kind of things are always in your head and circulating. But I think now that I'm older and I've I've just been in the industry a little bit longer, I think now I can actually go and and relax. I can just kind of go and do my set and be, be me and and uh, enjoy the performance, but also just enjoy the, the other downtime as well where you're just kind of you know, mingling with people and, uh, and meeting lots of folks. So, um, yeah, that's a cool thing to kind of have on the radar for, uh, the, uh, for the later part of July. So looking forward to that. Um, so that's been the goal as of right now, that's been the focus. And, um, other than that, I just been kind of enjoying myself watching some world cup soccer, watched England today, pull one out of the fire against Tunisia. Huh? You never thought England would have that much trouble with Tunisia. Huh? But uh, they did, and uh, it looked like the old bad luck slipper was going to fall on England's foot again, but they managed to squeak it out in the dying seconds of the game. So uh, it was exciting to watch, i got to say, and uh, Harry Kane was able to save the day for them. So um, the three Lions pulled it out of the fire, but uh, they'll have to be a little bit better 
and I think should probably make some lineup changes if they really want to really want to improve uh, their performance. I think some guys got to come out of the lineup personally, but uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what their coach decides to do. So yeah, I've been loving it, man. As a soccer fan, this is great for me. Three games every single day. I haven't been sitting down watching all three every day, but I have been recording them and trying to watch them at a later point or at least fast forward to the goals and highlights. So uh, it's a great time of year for a soccer fan. I mean, you are just surrounded by it every single day, and there's some great matchups as well. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm loving it right now. Um, all right, so yeah, Mike Commodore, this guy uh, came over to the house last week and sat down. I met Mike uh, maybe two years ago at the uh, Targets for Kids fundraising event uh, that Brian Burke uh, puts together. And um, I think I met him there maybe the first time. And then uh, I was hoping to have him on the podcast last year, but it didn't work out. And uh, he was there again this year. And so we got talking, and then I uh, – sent him a message a little later and he was like yeah man i'd love to do it so we had a fantastic chat i think this thing is about maybe it's over an hour and 40 minutes i mean this was one of the longer ones but i really wanted to just get into knowing what it's like to be a national hockey league player so i asked some pretty pedestrian questions about um you know well how often do you get paid when you're in nhl i've always wondered that is it weekly is it bi-weekly uh, what does it look like? What is life really like when you're when you're drafted and you join a new team? And um, I wanted to know those kind of human, um, basic everyday stories is what I wanted to know. And uh, he gets into that, and also talking about some of the uh, gets into some great stories about Pavel Datsuk. I think when he has a a one on one confrontation with him on the ice, which I thought was uh, which is a great story and. Mike was awesome because he kind of uh, we hit it off right away, and uh, he he just is kind of relaxed and and uh, and just lets it go. And I I really appreciated that because I I didn't want it to be so much as an interview as more of a, as more of a conversation. But he uh, he was great about it, and uh, it, it I think it really comes across in this episode. I think you when you sit down and you listen to this one, I think you know more about what it's like to be an NHLer at the end of this one. And I think that's what I was kind of hoping would happen and i think that's what we got at the end of the day so um he was a he was a fantastic guest and was you know he he took every question head on and was like yeah no here it is the answer to that so i loved his honesty and uh, the authenticity was fantastic so i think you guys are gonna really really enjoy this one um so yeah sit back and listen to my awesome conversation with mike commodore We got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much ground, got game by the town. Getting paid is a forte each and every day to play away. I can't get her out of my mind. I think about the girl all the time. East side to the west side. Right an hour, straight hours. I do a proper intro late, like later, I'll add on. So don't, so don't worry, but we just jump into it. Um, Cheers, man. Thanks for yeah, joining us here. Yeah. This is the first beer on the podcast, by the way. Oh, first one I've had. Perfect. May change the whole outcome. This mm-hmm. might be a totally, just totally uh, right-sided um, thing. Um, dude, did you did you golf yesterday? Are you just like crushing golf tournaments just on a, on a, a daily basis? I wish I was. <laughs> Compared to my, since I retired four years ago, yeah. uh, my golf the last 
year, but my last since I started working and my job isn't that stressful or busy. Yeah, my golf has really taken a hit. I know. I joined a play, so I haven't. I have a golf tournament tomorrow. Right. Um, I have a golf trip on Sunday. I'm going to meet some boys in, in Vancouver, and we're going for a week, so that'll be a good time. Uh, but I need to do it more. I joined a place here, Earl Grey. Yep. But it went through a huge reno. Right. So eight holes just with the reno is going to be awesome. They lost some land to the city. Long story short, all 18 holes will be open July 1 and the clubhouse will be open August 1st. So starting July 1, yeah. I live like eight minutes from there. So <laughs> by that point, I think I'm going to be on the tour. <laughs> oh, I wish. If I, if I even thought there was a 1% chance that I could be on tour, I would give it a shot. But there isn't. Uh, I yeah. Would, yeah, I would imagine it's a pretty, like, I never got into golf myself personally, but it seems like for a lot of retired athletes, like I guess in the offseason, golf's a popular game for you guys, right? Like, yeah. And a lot of guys are like, once they retire, it's like, you got nothing but time for a lot of them. So it's Nothing like, but time. And even when you, when you are, like, still playing, I mean, really, it's like, I mean, I feel like I'm so busy now since I started working May 1st, but really I'm not. <laughs> like, it just feels like I am because I actually have – some things to do throughout the day where like I'm used to like even when you're playing off season, even in season, but off season you get up, you work out in the morning. So, okay, let's say, let's say you're skating at the time too. Okay. Like all in it's maybe three hours. You start maybe at nine. So you get done, you have some lunch and you have nothing else to do for the rest of the day. So yeah. golf is a good, good way. It gets you outside. It eats up time. Yeah. You know, once you start getting decent at it, you can have fun and yeah. So. I, it's funny. I get a bunch of buddies, and they they kind of go into two different categories. Some are like super serious about golf, uh-huh. like like to the T. Other dudes are like, no, I just get to drink in the cart, man, and blow around the course, right? Which yeah. is where the category I fall into. Yeah. So they would get in some serious arguments because afterwards, they one guy who was just there for the drinking would would say his score at the end of the night. It's like, well, actually, that's not what you shot because like you was <laughs> like, well, what difference? Yeah, you make? missed like, a few strokes there. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like, oh man, it was just for fun, right? It's like, yeah, but long as the score stays in house, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you go out on social media, like, yeah, I shot a yeah, <laughs> like, like, I no, shot an eighty actually. today. I'm like, well, actually, when you hit the ball off the property, that's you're supposed to hit another one immediately. That's not just drop one up by the green and you're hitting your third shot. I, you hey, have man. to hit the ball again. And they call you on it, like, <laughs> yeah. hey man, don't take it so serious. It's like, no, well, you you just you tell them lies. Like if, I mean, if you're yeah, don't lie about it. If you're gonna let's try and keep it somewhere around the rules of golf here, not just kind of make it up as you go. Yeah, exactly. It was hilarious. I was like, boys, like just yeah, you guys can't golf together anymore. You're in two different worlds, like mentally. So yeah, um, where were you born? You were were you born in? I was born in Edmonton. I grew up uh, in Fort Saskatchewan, so which is just right. fifteen minutes off the northeast of Edmonton, right outside, right outside. Yeah. And uh, did you ever dream of playing for the Oilers? Was that ever were you an Oilers fan growing up? You know what? I was actually a Flames fan because when I, I always kind of cheered for the underdog. So when I was growing up, I was born in '79. So growing up through the '80s, like the Oilers were on fire. Yeah. Right? I mean, obviously they won everything. Um, so I always kind of cheered for the underdog. So I, I was I cheered for the Flames. I like the Oilers and everything, and I follow them a little bit now. I mean, I follow obviously the Flames too, but um, yeah, I never. The Flames were more my team for sure than than right. Edmonton was. Yeah, it was interesting because when I, I like I'm from Newfoundland, so mm-hmm. I'm, when I moved here um, in '03, 
I was an Oiler fan for the most part, but I just happened to move here. And then you get the news all the time from the team here. Mm -hmm. So just, of course, you end up becoming a fan. You know what I mean? Like, you're just yep. getting the stories and, like, oh, that guy helps it with charity. And that guy just donated. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I'm a Flames fan. But, like, my whole life, I was a Gretzky fan growing up. Sure. But then I realized once he got traded, I wasn't so much an Oilers fan. I was like, oh. ah, I was a Gretzky <laughs> it fan. It was a Gretzky <laughs> fan, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. Time, right? So I was like, uh, maybe I wasn't uh, true blue all, at all. <laughs> um, and where did you play junior hockey? So I played, uh, I played all up like minor hockey through um, Fort Saskatchewan, and then I was drafted into the WHL. Um, I actually like to be honest, I wasn't like I just enjoyed playing. Like right. it wasn't there was no plan, like nothing like that. There was no inkling of doing it for a living. Like seriously, I ended up going to college, but yep. um, until later. So I was drafted by at the time they were the Tacoma Rockets in the WHL. Yep. They moved um, after to uh, Kelowna. Now they're the Kelowna Rockets. Yep. Um, yeah, so I got drafted by them. When I was drafted, I was in the ninth grade, and I remember being pulled out of class, and one of the teachers or the principal or some, somebody was like, hey, congratulations, you were drafted. And I don't even know why. I don't even – I didn't know anything about the military then at all, but I was like – all I could think about, I'm like, drafted and like to the Army? <laughs> like I had guns. no clue. Zero <laughs> clue. I didn't know anything about the WHL. I didn't know anything about a draft. And so I'm like, oh, thanks. And then I had to talk to somebody on the phone. It was like a local reporter. Hey, and I had no clue what this guy was talking about. I'm like – so I was picked in like the – I think it was the last round, the ninth round, I, I think it was, to Tacoma – um, so anyways, I played midget, had a bad, I played one year midget when I was, uh, 15, I think, uh, when I was in grade 11, actually had a bad year and then I broke my ankle and everything. And then I went into camp in Kelowna and I was on the team, my grade 12 year, I wanted to stay, uh, but I ended up my parents, my parents were both like educators. Like my mom was a principal and my dad was a speech pathologist for Edmonton public schools. And, uh, they were always big on education. So, and my mom, because she was the principal, right, she would get the horror stories of guys leaving Fort Saskatchewan, going to play in the WHL, and not going to school. Yeah. Or going down to the States to play. Now, that wouldn't have been the case for me. I was going to Kelowna, but going down to the States to, to, to go to school and then coming back, and, like, the, the classes don't translate. Like, right. the so math think... 30 here was, like, it, like, a math 30, like, their grade 12 math in the States, they were going over, that's, like, grade 10 or 11 math in Canada. Right. So, she's, like... Actually, a really good friend of mine, Ray Whitney, who played 23 years in the yeah, NHL. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah, we won a cup together. He's from Fort Saskatchewan. He still gives it to me every once in a while because he did that. He went. Uh, he was. He, they just retired his number in Spokane, and I didn't know this until a couple of years ago. But he came back because Ray's like seven years older than I am. He came back and he hasn't graduated from high school because my mom <laughs> wouldn't graduate him. So he gives it to me all the time because <laughs> my mom was like, "Hey, look, sorry, Ray, but like." You know, those classes, up, like I he... looked at the curriculum, like we did that in grade 10. Like that doesn't count. And so, yeah, I think actually that was probably a sore spot for a while. Now, whatever. It, he brought it, down it to the matter. rink every night. Just oh. like, man, I've been held back my whole life. I just got to win this draw. Just savage. Just getting uh, shots and when, stuff. When we played against each other, he probably hated my guts until we ended up playing together. But Tell so, your yeah. lady to uh, hook me up there with some grades. It'd be great. It's like, I can't do it. I can't. She's not going to do it. Uh, that's hilarious because like, I just watched a documentary actually on um, players in England, like in the, in sure. the UK soccer system, where kids are getting approached by agents at like the age of six, seven, eight, nine oh. years of age, and how they go into this system like through different clubs and stuff and academies, and then by the time they're seventeen, eighteen, the club, the last club decides 
yeah, man, sorry. And they're just, they're just dropped off like that's Gone. it. So they've, they've dropped out of school. This has been their whole life for, you know, for 12 years. That's crazy. And now they're just left and the team is not there to kind of offer them any kind of transitional support. Done, you're out. It's just like, well, see you later, man. And the yeah. new kid comes in. Yeah. And uh, so I would imagine, yeah, like for parents, it's like, are you going to go off and chase this dream? Right. But how do we balance things right. so that I you mean, get a life? Chances are the dream workout or slightly above zero exactly I mean, it doesn't you know you got your odd person you're every once in a while maybe you got your Sidney crosby and your connor mcdavid and guys like that sure but for every one of those there's how many that that aren't going to work out and even the kids in the minor hockey that are good that go and play i mean there's no you have zero guarantees not only do you have to be good but i mean you have to be lucky that's a, a huge thing yeah. you got to be in the right spot at the right time there's a lot of stuff that goes into it so yeah my parents were like look like we're we we don't mind you going to play junior, but yep. you're not gonna not while you still have grade twelve. They're like, if you can make that team in Kelowna in the WHL, you can play for the Fort Saskatchewan Traders, which was tier two, right? Junior in, in the AJ in Alberta Junior Hockey League, um, for your grade twelve year, and then once you graduate high school, by all means, you can do whatever you want, right? So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up going back, uh, going to high school, playing for the Traders, had a really good year, and actually same kind of thing as the draft with the WHL. So probably like, I don't know, a month into the season, our head coach came in and, he, and he's like, hey, Mike, uh, uh, assistant coach from BU wants to talk to you. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, where is He's upstairs. Okay. I'm like, BU? Like, what, what the hell is BU? So um, he walks out. I, it was just kind of me in the dressing room. I had nobody to run this by, so I just kind of walk upstairs. I'm like, what the hell is BU? So I sit down with this guy. He throws his BU's Boston University. Yeah. So he throws us, you know, the little program, and hey, you know, what do you think of college hockey? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> I couldn't name one. I'd never even seen. I didn't even. I'd never even heard of NCAA hockey. Never even heard of the NCAA. Right. And uh, so he's like, you know, we're maybe interested in this and that. And, that. and I'm like, okay, sounds good. You know, we'll see you later. And so once one team comes, like usually a few end up coming because those guys all talk. Right. The assistant coaches and stuff. So then some more teams ended up coming, and I was all set. I was like, I'm going to play for the Traders. Yep. Whenever we're done, if I can go play Cologne, if Cologne makes the playoffs or whatever, I'm going to go there after or play there next year. Yep. Um, so I was that was my plan, and uh, I ended up a few schools came, and then the University of North Dakota came, and they offered a fly down. So I didn't know what that was either. I'm like, what's a fly down? They're like, well, you can come down for a weekend series. You know, they play Friday, Saturday nights. Yeah. So come down for a weekend series and watch a couple games, then we'll fly you home. I'm like, without my parents, just me? No parents? Yeah, just you. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, I'm I'll go in. there now. I'll yeah, go there. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I just turned 17. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, we end up going and flying to North Dakota, first time traveling by myself. And I've been to a bunch of WHL games, and they're good. Don't get me wrong; uh, they're really good. But went to North Dakota, and it's just it's older players there. So the dub is the WHL is like sixteen year olds to you know twenty year olds, where college is eighteen. You know, you have to be out of done high school, so eighteen, yeah. nineteen year olds up to. I mean, you can get guys that are twenty five, twenty six. So the yeah. hockey's, in my opinion, better yeah. overall, yeah. just because the people I mean, it should be better, more experience. And, yeah, yeah, more experience. You're older, and yeah. some of these guys are men. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, went and watched a weekend series. So going to the rink, it was six thousand people jammed. You know, the stadium or the, the arena, sorry, was cut in half. Half with students, half with season ticket holders. This was in Grand Forks, North Dakota, like a small city. The students are going like bad. got it. Oh, they're 
having a few beers like yeah. before the, they didn't serve alcohol in there but oh, they right. definitely got a solid buzz on i'm like you know girls everywhere i'm this like is this awesome. is awesome <laughs> so i end up going out i go out with the guys after the saturday night game we go to go to this bar i'm 17 you know i'm like this is the great go to a house party I'm like this is the greatest weekend of my life i'm like i'm not going back. Kelowna. i'm like i'm not going to Kelowna. i'm like i'm going to grand forks north dakota i'm like this yeah. is great so i ended up they offered me a scholarship like a month later or so. And that fit the parents' check marks too, right? Because it's like going to college, education. university. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You didn't tell them about the party party. Oh, yeah. Like, no, no, oh, they didn't know anything. Yeah. Nice library there, mom. Oh, really yeah. Good, uh, research department there. And, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. That was like no, no mention of party, no mention of beers, nothing <laughs> like that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up going there. So I went and spent three years there. And it was, I think it was I, it's funny because I know a lot of players have that choice to make, right? Like, do you do Div 1 or do you go like junior hockey kind of thing? And I played soccer in university. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy of mine who played soccer at uh, at Boston College for a year, and I, yeah. I played in Newfoundland or whatever. And I had a great experience. But like, I don't know if people realize like NCAA is just another level in terms of like the resources, the money, like yeah, everything money. is just another level, right? And yeah. he goes at at that university, of course. Like I think football was number one, of course, at, at Boston College. Yeah, yeah, yeah football and hockey. Hockey, I think. yeah, they're huge. Yeah. And then I think it was like basketball. He goes, we were like the fifth or sixth varsity team yeah. in terms of priority. He yeah. goes. But we were treated first class, and it was just awesome. nothing but keggers and parties yeah. and like team massage stuff, like just all the stuff that we didn't have when I was going through. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have tried for a Div One scholarship. But like back in like you know early '90s, it's like that stuff for me wasn't even on the radar. Right? right? I don't even had, think of it. I would have had something like you, like someone would have called me out of the blue, like what? What is yeah, that? How do you? No idea what they're talking about. I got to get to a map just a second to find <laughs> yeah. out what you're yeah. talking about, right? Yeah. So I think that that college experience. I think is a fantastic thing. Plus, yeah, you get a degree, great. Yeah. But there's a special experience, I think, to going to college. Yeah, I agree. Like, I had a – and not a, just to be – I am not. I wasn't dogging, like, the WHL. I, now, the WHL, since my mom and Ray Whitney, yeah, it's gotten a lot better. So, And since I was through, like, now the WHL, you know, if you play a game, you get, like – you know, you get years of credit at, at a university. Right. So if you play – and it's not very many games. Like, it's not like you have to play four years to get four years of university. It's right. like – I don't know what the rules are exactly, but it's a, if you play a handful of games or play a few games, you have some – like, you can go to school and it doesn't work out in hockey, you can go to school and your, and your education to pay for it. So they've gotten a lot better like that. Cool. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the NCAA – yeah, I mean, I had a blast. Like, the University of North Dakota was – Actually, kind of a funny story. So I, I committed to go to North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is like population 50,000. And it's like Grand Forks is in uh, North Dakota, and then there's East Grand Forks on the other side of the Red River. It's just two hours south of Winnipeg right. is uh, in Minnesota. So I committed to go there. I'm, I'm all in, and I was sitting there. It was like April, and uh, I'm kind of clicking through the on the TV, and um, – come by CNN and it was like an aerial shot of a downtown core that was flooded and burning. I'm like, and through my head, I'm like, wow, that sucks. I wouldn't want to be there. Right. And right after that goes through my head down on the ticker, Grand Forks, North Dakota. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be there in five months. Wow. Yeah, so they had that hundred year flood there. That was the spring of 1997. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, so I ended up, I'm like, well, I'm going anyway. So went and like the town, the university was fine. Enroll, enrollment went down a little bit. I think enrollment at the time at the university was like 10,000 students. The university was fine because it was a ways away from the river, but like downtown, like destroyed, wow. done. But it was, I had a blast in college. It was good. Our, our teams were like, I mean, I think we probably averaged in the, I, I played three years and then I signed and went pro, but 
uh, I'd say we played about 40 games a year, so 120 games total, and I think we probably lost. We probably ballpark went about 100 wins and 20 losses. That's crazy. Yeah, we were good. We won the national title my third year. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like it was, we never lost a Saturday night game at home. So that was always a big thing, right? Yeah, Friday, yeah. Saturday at home, then go out. We never, like, not once. I think we only got swept, like, one time. We, I remember going into Wisconsin, and we lost two games in Wisconsin, uh, both of them in overtime. And that was so we were very, very competitive, yeah. which was so it just makes it yep. that much better. Right? If you're winning all the time, it's awesome. Yeah, of course. Everything's better when you're winning. Yeah. Um, I've told this story a few times. I don't know if I told it on the podcast, but I went to the uh, – NCAA Final Four for men's basketball two years mm-hmm. just to go watch and I mean it's you know I'm watching um, like recently yeah like I went when Kentucky had that undefeated season going uh-huh. I remember it was that. 38 now yeah I'm a Kentucky fan I go I'm in that I'm in there for the semifinal game against Wisconsin they beat Wisconsin or Wisconsin beats them right mm-hmm. and I'm like I cannot believe this is happening man like I've spent a ton of money Finally get to watch Kentucky live. They're undefeated. Yeah. Would have been the first undefeated champion since '76. Yeah, there was a lot of hype about that oh, too. Oh man! That. Yeah, and I'm watching it, and you know, and they lose. And uh, so the tickets that we had were also good for the championship game. So I go. It's Wisconsin and Duke. I think in the championship mm-hmm. game. So at the end of the, the championship game, uh, Duke wins. Wisconsin guys standing there next to me. He's got the red on, the Wisconsin stuff on, and, he, and I still got my Kentucky blue on. And he goes. Uh, he goes, hey, man, sorry about the, your loss, your Wildcats team losing, man. He goes, I know it sucks. He said, but uh, if there's any consolation, he goes, your team is going to get back there again in your lifetime. And he goes, and mine is not. This guy was like, like 75 years old. Oh, really? Tears in his eyes. And I was like, I don't think we understand as Canadians like what college athletics oh, means to big. them down yeah, there. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like people were like, this is because it was mostly a Wisconsin team as well. Mm-hmm. Like there weren't many guys from outside state. And I'm like. Oh, this is this is another level. Like this right. is not like I, I'm watching it at home with chicken wings and beers. Like oh, yeah. I'm going for your team, but I'm like these guys are driving in from out of state. Oh, yeah, these, like they travel. Honey, we sold the car so we can get tickets yeah. to go. Oh for yeah, some Badgers play. Big right? deal. <laughs> it was insane. College sports is a big deal, especially a place like Wisconsin, oh, Kentucky too. Oh. I mean, and Duke. I mean, a lot of them. Wisconsin. I mean, those fans travel. Well, it's insane. Well, it's also too because a lot of these places, a lot of these cities, especially don't have pro sports, right? Mm-hmm. So the college game is the only game in town. And, I mean, That's I've been it. in Kentucky at bars and had guys overhearing guys talk about a kid who's in grade 10 who's committed to come to Kentucky. Like, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, the Johnson kid, man, we get him in three years. It's yeah. like, you're at a bar. Like, are you serious, man? Yeah. Like, you're a 45-year-old man talking about yeah. But th- that's the level they're committed to it, right? That's like, what they care about. All about the program. Yeah. All about banners and titles. So, yeah, I-, I don't know. If people haven't been immersed in, like, NCAA culture for a bit, I mean, obviously, you were lucky enough to play in it. But mm-hmm. to go down and watch even and be around it, it was like, man, this is just – it's on steroids. Like, yeah. It's insane. Oh, it's crazy. There's yeah. no doubt about it. We um, so, what, so, now you're playing there. When does it become a reality or you start thinking about, okay, I can, I can get to the next level now? Um, my freshman year, I was like, uh, I, would, I was in and out. Uh, I was actually out of the lineup right at the beginning, but then I, I played most of the games. I would, uh, yeah, I'd say I was probably out for just right at the beginning. Then I started playing most of the game. I had a decent freshman, but I was young also. I mean, I, I turned 18. Um, my, I have a November birthday. So my freshman year, so when I went to college, I was 17 years old. I turned 18, so I was the youngest guy on the team by quite a bit. Yep. Um, so I I would say probably my freshman year I was just trying to keep up. And then, actually, I do remember this. Halfway through my second year, my sophomore year, the first part of the year was going okay, but the game seemed, like, really fast to me still. Like, 
I get the puck and I wouldn't. It didn't seem like I had. It was just moving too quick for no me. Time at all, yeah. Yeah, like in my head, like. Yep. It, and then we were playing Notre Dame at Christmas time in a Christmas tournament, and I remember I scored a goal, and it wasn't anything special at all or anything like that. But I scored a goal, and I don't know what it was about it or anything. But from that point forward, the game in my head slowed down. Right. And that was my first goal in college. I don't really think it had much to do with actually scoring the goal. I don't know if I saw the play or whatever, but everything kind of slowed down. And then from that point forward, things kind of took off for me. I finished the year strong, I sc- which wasn't my, I wasn't a goal scorer, but played a lot more. Things started rolling, and then I kind of took that into my second year – or, sorry, third year. And I would say it was – my third year, I think in the fall, like because they come out with those like North American rankings for right. the draft and stuff, and European rankings. I don't think I was on it. I wasn't even thinking about it going into the year. It was my draft year, but I really didn't think about it. I don't think I was on the ratings in the fall, and then I was having a good year at Christmas time. I was on there, so that a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, I'm rated a little bit for whatever that means exactly, and whatever that's worth, and then. We finished the year. I finished really strong. We won the national title. And that was – or hold on. I'm getting the years messed up. It's, let me rephrase that. Score the goal my second year. Yep. Things slow down for me. I was – that year I was drafted at the end of the second year. So okay. my rating shot up at the end of my second year. I'm sorry. Okay. End of the second year, and then I'm rated. So I go to the combine and go do the testing out in Toronto. And then that was kind of – Go. I wasn't going to go to the draft because I was always like, well, I'm not going to be a high pick. I, don't, I think I was ranked like 50th or something, which is pretty good. But you sit around all day. And, right. Yeah. And my, my parents, like my dad's a warrior and everything. Yeah. So I was in, you know, working out and stuff in North Dakota. And before I went to the – after I went to the combine, I'm like, hey, I'm like, well, what do you think? And he's like, shouldn't go to the draft. The draft was in Boston. And I, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we don't need to go there. I'm not going first overall or I'm not no yeah. lock to be in the first round or anything. You know, have everybody fly out to Boston and then sit there. Well, I wasn't going to go. And then I went and did a testing thing for New Jersey. And they asked me, they said, hey, uh, are you going to go? Are you going to the draft? And I'm like, you know what? I don't think so. I think I'm just going to stay in North Dakota. And New Jersey, I forget, one of their guys said, yeah, you should go to the draft. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, go to the draft. So I told my parents, I'm like, look, the, the devils just straight up told me that I should go to the draft. They're like, Okay, well then let's go. Right. So we ended up going, and then once I was drafted, then I was like, okay, I'm like, well, I was drafted in the second round. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm like, so maybe this can become a reality. And then went into my third year, had a good year, won a national title, and then signed. It's funny you mentioned that though, hey, about scoring that goal, like how the game didn't actually change, but in your no. head the game changed. The head, yeah. You know, yeah, the like, game was exactly believe, the same. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. just believe now, like, oh, I can I can hang with these guys. Like, right. I can actually play at this level. Yeah. But is that you're right, like that anybody who goes up a level of something, it is bigger, faster. Yeah. People are more talented. It's like you, sure. you're you can get in your own head and go like, Oh man, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Right. That little voice. Yeah. But once that voice goes away and yeah. you, you go like you get no, some no. confidence and yeah. it's like, you know what, I belong here. Maybe yeah. the actual scoring the goal part was huge. It could have yeah. been too. Yeah. Well, so. like I belong. It's, it's yeah. let's do this. It's like I can play here. Like yeah. these guys aren't that much better than For me sure. at all. I can hang with these guys, no problem. So, yeah. uh, this is the thing I wanted to ask you too. Like, uh, you always hear these adages of people talking about teams that are successful, and like, we were brothers, and this team has never been tighter, and all that stuff. And I played like, like I said, I played soccer at a fairly high level. I played basketball a little bit, and like, I've been on teams that've been successful and not successful, but I've also been on teams that were like, 
band of brothers type vibe and other teams that have been like kind of clicky and these four guys just hang out and they don't really talk to these guys but it's worked both ways like both have been successful successful right what's your experience been with that like have you do you feel that's overplayed that whole you got to have this team unity you got to have this whatever you know what's what's your thoughts on that i think it does get overplayed like i think it's to be honest, I think it's kind of easy to just fire that out there. If somebody asks, like, you know, why are you guys successful? I think that's a that's an easy answer. I also think if you have a good team, sometimes I guess it's maybe easier to hang out. If that makes kind of sense, I'm I would say like, I think there is something to it. I think there is something where if you like and respect the people that you're playing with, I think you can be more successful. But I don't think that's the end-all, be-all. I think it's hard for me to describe. Like, I can see yeah. – I mean, hey, as long as you're – if I mean, I don't have to like you. Or maybe we don't yeah. – yeah. If you're working hard and, and as long as we're working together on the ice, like, I could hate your guts. Yeah. I don't need to hang out with you at night. I don't no. have to have anything to do with you. But if we work well together on the ice or on the, on the field or whatever, then who cares? I mean, yeah. that's really all that matters. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I think – like you said, I, I think it gets overplayed a little bit. Yeah, I think that too because I, I asked Brian Burke that question at the uh, uh, Eric Francis had one of those charity hot stoves, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't oh, think, yeah. yeah, I think you were you actually. I think you showed up later actually at, at the event. It was the first one I think he had. Brian Burke was on there. Yeah, it was yeah, Burke. I came yeah, by. Yeah, you yeah. came by later. I came by later. Yeah. Um, and I asked Brian earlier. I go like, if you're trading for a guy and you know stats and this is plus minus and yada 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 and assists and all that shit, but I'm like, how do you know what kind of guy you're getting? Like, I mean, once you have him in a dressing room, like. Is, is he a good dude? Is he, is he, can he play with an injury? Like, all that stuff. How do you know that? And, and at the end of the day, he said a bunch of other stuff. And Brian goes, like, he goes, sometimes you just go, yeah, the guy's an asshole, but you know what? He fills the role that we need him to fill. Yeah. And he may be a bit of a disruptor. He may not be the most social guy. Yeah. But you know what? He's a power play quarterback, or he wins a lot of face-offs, and we need that hole plugged until you take the risk on it. Yeah. Because it's not all hugs and – yeah. Everyone's awesome, and hey, guys, party at my house tonight, and all right. 20 guys are showing up. It's yeah. like, that's not the way the world works, right? No. But I always think about that when you see trades or a guy who's really talented, and he keeps bouncing along from team to team, and you go, there's something more to that. There's, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. There would be – yeah, I've played with lots of guys that are, like, great players, but they just don't really stick. Yeah. You know, and I want to be – like, I, my greatest attribute – I wasn't a great player, but – my greatest attribute was probably I was good in the locker room. Like I could get along with pretty much anybody. Right. And you know I like to have a good time and 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 all that. But I bounced around too. I mean I ended up playing for fourteen teams in fourteen years if you count all the minors and everything. But yeah, uh, yeah. That no, that's interesting. Brian said that because yeah, like you, you can. I didn't like everybody I played with, no. but I think there's a big, to me anyways. There's a difference. If I don't like you and I don't really like being around you or whatever, that's that's fine. But if I respect you, like, you know what, this guy, yeah, he's a dick. Or I don't like how he really does things. But you know what, when we get to the rink, he works. He shows up and he does his job. I'm like, you know what, I don't really care what this guy does away from the rink. Yeah, do whatever. Yeah. Like, don't get in trouble, hopefully. But yeah, yeah. I don't care what you do. But if you show up to work, ready to go, I'll have respect for you, even though I don't like you. And that's fine. That's good wow. enough with me. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like come to do your come to do your job, and it's like yeah. <laughs> I was thinking as a comedian, we have to go do these uh, corporate Christmas parties, man. And you, mm-hmm. you go up on stage and you just you're looking at these faces, and you can tell 
who's just there because it's like I gotta be at this shit. You know right? I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like I don't it looks have an good option. if I show up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas like I, I see enough of you people already and really got to come here on a Saturday. <laughs> hey Frank, uh, how's that merger? Oh, good, Steve. You know, like just pretending that they're just you're like you don't want to be here, man. You're like you're just no, I don't. I hate my life. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this shit because they. You know, and I'm like I feel bad for you people. I I always go. You know, some of you won't be here on Monday. If that's any consolation, some of you will not be here on Monday. And, you know, it's a good. Thing. We're gonna, I'm going to announce the layoffs now yeah. and uh, read this list here. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the reality of life, man. Different personalities. And, and I had guys that were like brothers to me and <clears throat> were bonded for life and some of my best friends in the world still. Mm-hmm. But I had other guys who, like, yeah, they just did their job and was like, okay, cool. You go on your separate way and then go on their separate yeah, way. Yeah, and that's fine. That's the way it is. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a, a really good podcast with uh, Jason Williams, who played played at Duke basketball, mm-hmm. Duke, and then he oh. played in the NBA. Yeah, he's in a massive motorcycle accident. He went like second overall, didn't he? Yeah, he was. I great, remember that. Great yeah, guard. yeah, yeah, really good guard. Yeah. yeah, and he was pretty honest, man, talking about when he got drafted in the NBA. He goes, as a young guy coming in, he goes, I went to a veteran team, and he goes, everyone was married with kids and stuff, and he goes, and I was a young guy, and he goes, that's when I started to get in trouble because during the downtime. Because really didn't have anyone to hang with. Because everyone else was like, well, they'd leave the, leave the gym and be like, well, see you tomorrow. I'll like game tomorrow at four. And he goes, I'm like, whatever. So he went out and bought this this motorcycle and racked himself up pretty bad. But he goes, it was a series of a lot of bad decisions because he just didn't know what to do with the downtime. Didn't know what to do with, okay, we, we got a break of five days and I'm just home here and, you know, we're right. home. Yeah. And he's like, what do you do? Yeah. He's like, you know, you have all this money. Yeah. Um. What, what's that like for a guy coming into a new team? And it's like, if, if you're the young guy, you're like trying to, you're, you're coping with just life skills on top of that too, right? What was that like for you? That was, I totally agree with what William said. That would, like, is, is jumping from college where, well, it's exactly like what he just said. I mean, he went to Duke, so same thing. Uh, where, yeah, you have practice at whatever time. You have school. You have all a bunch of other things going on and people around. At the end of the day, you're at university. Yeah. So there's all all kinds of people around that was probably like a bigger adjustment. Uh, I think it's a bigger adjustment for most people. Not, not just, not just me at all, but the on the ice stuff. Yeah. It was challenging. I mean, going from college to, to the NHL or the American hockey league. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely adjustment, but like I said, you show up, you get all your stuff done in the morning. And then like I said, I was when I was with Jersey or with Albany and New Jersey, New Jersey especially. So I, when I was in my first two years after I signed with the Devils, I was up and down. I ended up playing like fifty-five games up and fifty-seven games down, or something like that. Right, so, so I was back and, and forth, yeah. half and half. Yeah, I was constantly up and down, and especially in New Jersey because you know these the game's getting younger now. But you know they had a bunch of guys, Hall of Fame guys that had just won the cup team, right? When veteran you, team, yeah. yeah. Like, and there was go to the rink done to go back to my hotel and i'm like i got like there's i'm I'm sitting in west orange new jersey i don't know anybody right there's nobody calling me right like i got nothing to do and that would be it's i was fine i just kind of learned how to just kind of hang out right like i was i was fine being by myself i could kill time that was a huge thing was killing time finding something to do that you know that isn't riding a motorcycle or isn't drinking way too much or isn't getting into drugs or isn't gambling or stuff that'll set you back. I was just, I I learned how to just kind of kill time and just get through the days. And, but it's, it's hard. Like it is hard. In a lot of ways, the minors was, 
the minors was a little bit easier because other than a couple guys, there were other guys in my shoes. Right. You know, there were other guys that, ju- that were rookies or young, yeah, you know, because right. usually you play, maybe you play three or four years in the minors and then that's it. You move on to Europe or you're in the NHL or yep. you, you're done or whatever. So there was a group of us there. You, you probably, to be honest, I probably had more fun and a better time in Albany because I had people to hang out with away from the rink. Yeah. Whereas New Jersey, and I liked all the guys there. They were all great, but. It was a completely, I mean, you're on your own. like you're on your own. Like yeah. one of the most depressing, yeah, it was depressing. So my second year in Jersey, and it kind of part of this about learning how to kill time and, and having nobody around, uh, it's Christmas. So Christmas in the NHL, you usually get like three games or three days off. So we were played a home game in New Jersey, and our next game on the 26th or 27th of December was in Jersey. So I'm in Jersey, and it's Christmas. My parents, you know, nobody's close. And it's not like I'm, st- I'm staying at a hotel. Like, my parents are going to come down and stay at the hotel, too. They're not going to spend the money. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, like, I don't have a house. Nothing's all set up here. I can't host people. Yeah. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So Marty Brodeur, who Hall of Fame goalie, I'm like, he asked me, he goes, what are you doing for Christmas? I'm like, honestly, Marty, I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. He's like, well, he's like, how about I, I'll hook you up. Uh, why don't you go to Atlantic City for Christmas? I'm like, okay. He's like, look, I'll hook you up with the room. You can go there for two nights. Have a good time. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, I'd never been to Atlantic City, so sure. It was the most depressing thing I've, I think I've ever done. I drove down there by myself. You walk into a casino. I'm solo. <laughs> I check into the hotel casino. I'm like, I don't know anybody anywhere. So I grab a drink. I'm walking around. It's like mostly, I mean, this is Christmas. Yeah. It's like mostly, you know, senior citizens hitting the slots. I'm like, and there was like a bar. So there were a few people drinking. And I'm like, I was 21 years old, I think. And I stayed. And I'm like, this is depressing. (laughs) And I actually, I stayed the night. I got up in the morning. And I did another walk around. I'm like, this is, I I can't be here anymore. I got to go. I got to (laughs) go. So I got in my car and I just left. Blow it out of there, yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense. But I can see how people like, I mean, guys get ripped on. And and I can see if you don't, haven't gone through it, like people are like, like, how are you getting in trouble? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you got the life in the, you know, you got the life in the the world in the palm of your hand. And you got all the money that you need and blah, blah, blah. Which is true. But it's there's other factors that that do come into play, dude. It's the same thing. Like it's the same thing with comedians and musicians, right? Mm-hmm. During the the time when you're you know you're playing the game or you're doing the shows and you're yeah. doing that stuff, that's fine. It's the time downtime in between Wait, where guys get in trouble. So it's like like same thing. It's like booze, drugs, gambling. It's women. It's whatever it is. It's something because you just you're idle and you got all this time. And now it's like well. I'll have another show till next Saturday. It's like, what are you going to do with all with all your time? So you're, yeah. you've lost a lot of the connections too with the people that you knew because they're in the real world. They have mm-hmm. nine to five and family and all that stuff. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's Tuesday. I got to do something, and that's yeah. where the shit happens, right? Yeah, and thousand percent. Yeah, it happens all the time. It's where, like you said, a lot of the <clears throat> the drinking and yeah. I mean, there's some there's some. There's some pits there. Oh, man. There's that's what no I mean. doubt I, about it. And I, I feel like, you know, you look at the Anthony Bourdain thing, right? It's like, you know, you have these tragedies of suicide over the last couple of weeks or whatever. And, I, you know, it's, it's an epidemic, I think, at this point right mm-hmm. now. And people go, but that guy's life. And look what he had. And he had this money and this TV show. I'm like, yeah, but you don't see the other side of it. Yeah, you don't just see it when the cameras are Yeah. Right. You don't see the isolation. You don't right. see this guy who's got, like, an 11-year-old son who he probably doesn't get to see as much because he's got to travel around the world and do this show. He's got all these people who are responsible for him, you know, mm-hmm. for the jobs and stuff. And 
And I'm like, there's a price to pay for everything, man. Like, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, for athletes, especially too, like there's an isolation factor of like, you're going to give up a lot to have this dream and follow it. And it's all great. And there's lots of perks, but there is that other side yep. of you can be in a hotel room in West Orange, New Jersey on Christmas. Like, all right, is this yeah. okay? You know, and, and I'm sure that's tough for a lot of guys. And it would also, I would think, creep into your play in some way. Like if you it could, can't yeah. get in the right headspace mentally, it's like you're just not happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're not happy, you're not going to play as well for sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I kind of like roughly did the math. Like over the So I was a pro for 14 years, and I'm not married – or not married, sorry, no kids or anything like that. Uh, I like kind of like roughly did the math, and I would say, like fourteen years. I would say I, I probably spent close to half that time in hotel rooms. Yeah, like all in. Insane. If you're counting everything, and now some of that was hotel rooms when you're traveling for road games, but yep. like a lot of that was, you know, a lot of these teams. You know, I, I wasn't there for very long. I was there for twenty games or whatever. So, like, you know, when I played for Tampa, I was in a hotel. Right. When I was in Jersey, I was in a hotel. When I was in Ottawa, I was in a hotel. Yeah, so, so even like, the home games, you're in hotels. Oh uh, yeah, I'm yeah. in a hotel. So, which is fine. Like, actually, I actually kind of missed the hotel. I got so used to it. <laughs> That's right. I got, I'm like, actually, it took me a while. It took me like probably a year or so, and I like I hated it first and the isolation, and then I just kind of got good at it. And I'm like, ah, oh. and now that I'm not yeah. playing anymore, I'm like, God, I. Every once in a while, like, I'll just go – I haven't done it for a while, but I come back to Calgary because I used to actually be down south a little bit where I would just leave my stuff because yeah. uh, I was living in Phoenix. And I'd come in here, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out tonight downtown, and I'm going to book – I'm staying in a hotel. Yeah, just and I stay loved down. it. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I kind of miss it. Park the wheels. There's yeah. something wrong with me. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, another comedian friend of mine we were talking about, too. We go, like, you know, there's all those things about the job no one tells you when you first start. And that was one of them of, like, how many meals you're going to eat alone. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I was like, how many times have I had a club sandwich and, you know, by myself in a restaurant, and the only conversation I've had – or the only time I've spoken until showtime is to the server. Like, right. Oh, yeah, the club's done special? Okay, yeah, I'll get that. No tomato. Thanks very much. Like, I may not speak again until I show yeah. up at 8 o'clock for showtime. Like, yeah. it's just – and so I've, I've seen a lot of people in my world who walked away from it, not because they weren't talented. It's just that that part, they just couldn't they handle, couldn't handle it, it The travel, the isolation, the, like, man, another time. And they may, and then they start developing families, and now it's even harder because yeah. you're away from those people. So, you know, it, it's – there's a price to pay. I don't care what the dream is. It's like you're going to yeah. have to put something in the bank, and that might be it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so little backstory. So I move here in 03 and of course, 04 is when you guys make the, uh, make the, the run. run. Yeah. And I remember calling back to my buddies in, in Newfoundland going, dude, you got to move up here right now, man. This place is on wheels. I'm like, the boys are winning every series. I go, it's a party every second night. The red oh, miles yeah. going. So folks don't, who are listening and, and don't know what the red mile is. The red mile is 17th Avenue downtown. That leads right to the Saddle Dome in Calgary, and like this thing, like it was on wheels, man. Like what, like, like I don't know if you as players, did you get to really appreciate it at all? Did you like when it was going on? We appreciated it, but I don't think like we knew what was going on. Uh, but I, nobody went there. No, no, I mean, nobody went in. there. Not during it. No, yeah. no. I was gonna go. I would actually kind of. A, so I was in a hotel. I was living at the International Hotel. Yeah, yeah. I was the International Hotel from when I got called up in January. 
till they the flames finally kicked me out of there because we lost in whatever the middle of june and i'm like everybody's leaving right and i'm like i'm not going anywhere i'm the man around here i'm like it's like my fourth year bro hey steve what's going on big guy i'm like club sandwich again tonight oh yeah i'm like i'm a rock star i'm like i'm not going anywhere so finally like july 1st they called they're like, hey, Mike, like you got to check out of the hotel here. Season's <laughs> over. I'm like, we're not paying it for it anymore. I'm like, oh, <laughs> God, on. I got to go find an apartment in town then. But I was going to go after the third round we beat San Jose. Yeah, it was after the third round. <clears throat> so beat San Jose in uh, here in six. And so go back to the hotel. I'm like, quick change. I'm like, I'm going out. And I'm yep. like, I've seen this Red Mile on TV. I'm going to the Red Mile. So – change quick i think i had a buddy or two i mean everybody wanted to come up to game you know come down from yep. home and stuff like that so met a buddy a couple buddies or whatever in the in the lobby at the hotel bar crush a couple drinks i'm like all right let's go it was like on tv i'm like this is mayhem out there this is awesome <laughs> so like i used to have long hair and yeah, you're, and, big, you're right so i wasn't <laughs> hiding from anybody either it's <laughs> like right. i couldn't throw a hat on and nobody would know oh, you were yeah you were front and center so i was on my way out uh, the doors and walk out into the street about to get a cab and there were a couple cops there and they were like, hey, Mike, congratulations. I'm like, yeah, thanks. They're like, where are you headed tonight? I'm like, oh, I'm going 17th app. And they were like, Mike, seriously? I'm like, what? They're like, can you please do us a favor? They're like, don't go there. Go wherever you want. We'll take you wherever you want. Please don't go to 17th Ave. It's mayhem down there. And if you show up, you're not hiding. It's just going to create potential chaos. And you'd be doing us a huge favor if you didn't go. I'm like, really? They're like, please. I'm like, all right, I'll take a ride to Cowboys then, which was on ninth or whatever. So I didn't end up going for public safety. Yeah, I'm like, uh, all right, we're going to Cowboys then. I, I'll, so I never ended up going, not during it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it was like I just remember like every place, like every bar, pub, restaurant, like. And the cool thing about playoff hockey, especially when a team goes deep, I find as a fan, is that the casual observer gets involved now. For sure. So now the person who doesn't give two shits about hockey suddenly mm-hmm. is going into fan zone and buying a red flames t-shirt and they're wearing that it was and like, red everywhere that it was year. insane yeah. and i mean like and because you guys were the underdog that put even more icing on the cake of like we're, you're just kicking indoors every single series yeah. i mean it was it was a really cool time like it, it, it like it was what a great time to move to the city because i'd never lived in an nhl city before mm-hmm. on top of that so to be like oh man like we've been to some of these games and when you guys were in game six against tampa and the goal happened, and we yeah. all know it was in. It was yeah, in. yeah. Did it you know it was in. in at the time? No. Uh, to be honest, so game in the in that run. So I was like a call up, right? Like I was up in January, so I didn't play the first three games against Vancouver, and then Tony Lidman got hurt, and I didn't play the last three three games against Tampa. Tony Lidman came back, so I was scratched. Right. So I was in the stands. So I mean that that day it was me and it because we had so many injuries injuries on defense but like we had to one guy that came and played he was he was with us in the minors there's only two games he's played in the NHL his name's Brendan Evans he lives up in Camrose Alberta yeah so he was it was his rookie year in the American League <laughs> and he ended up having a really good career in the minors he played for a long time he just retired a couple of years ago tough um, not great with the puck but tough and and he was a good player. His only two games, he played two games in the NHL. His only two games were games three and four against the Detroit Red Wings in round two. He was done. He was up in cameras. Like, his summer had started. He hadn't played, touched his gear in, like, a month. We had so many injuries on D, they called him. They're like, hey, get down here. you need to get down here now, and you're playing in game three. Oh 
It was so funny because I mean I was I wasn't nervous. He's like, I got steaks taken out. I oh, the boys coming over here tonight. Oh. We're beer. No, you got to get down to the dome, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was. He came in. He's like, oh my god. He's like, I'm like Brennan. What's going on? And I played half the year with them in in uh, in Lowell, Massachusetts for the Amer- our American Hockey League team. Wow. And yeah, he came in and he was. He's like, oh my god. And he's like, I'm like Brennan. We're D partners. I'm like, hey, let's just keep it real simple, buddy. Get it out. Get it out. He's like, I couldn't agree more. So if he didn't pass no it D to D me, D. there was just... we probably played together. I think I probably played like 15 minutes. He probably played, I don't know, five or six minutes a game probably. And it was like, it was kind of funny looking back because he'd get the puck. And if I wasn't open, it was gone. Oh. There was no, <laughs> those forwards weren't even there. It was yeah. get it out. None don't ice it. Just get it out yeah. and get off. Yeah. I didn't turn it over. Yeah, I didn't. No one picked my pocket. I'm <laughs> off. I'm out of here. Next I'm year, get out there. I'm good. Still uh, zero over here. Still zero. No minus one. That's but hilarious. It was back to the point. It was so. I was watching that game from the from the stands. Brennan and I actually the day of game six. So we do our morning skate and everything, and we're up three two. Game six at home. I'm like, man, this is gonna happen. It's going down. Like this is crazy. I knew I wasn't playing. So I'm like, Brennan and I went and grabbed like a couple bottles of booze and just put them in the hotel room. We weren't drinking or anything like that. Go to the game. So we're watching from the press box. And yeah, I didn't know what the timing, the play, and that place was just mayhem. From where I was sitting, you couldn't really, I'm like, did that go in? Like it was, I was sitting up top on the other side of the rink. So you couldn't tell. No. But yeah, it was. uh, It's insane, man. Yeah, it's a tough one. we We were at a bar on 17th and I remember thinking like, they're going to bring the cup down 17th half tonight. Like, this is happening oh tonight. And when that went in, and we were all like, because, you know, we, sh- we had a bunch of different angles from the replay and stuff. Yeah. And, like, it, we, it's, it's amazing that place didn't light on fire. Like, yeah. people were so upset and angry. And, of course, you know what sports is like in momentum. It's like, it's got to be a gut punch for, for you guys. And yeah. it's like, how do you come back from that? Now you got to go to Tampa. It's yeah. like, it was right there. It was, it was right, right there. there. That was like our chance. And Marty St. Louis, and I love him. I, I ended up playing in Tampa right at the end of my career. And right. I'm, I'm good friends with Marty. When I got traded to Tampa, <laughs> I walked into the rink. So I, this was, that was the last team I played for in the NHL. And so I get traded there, come in uh, late at night, and then go to the rink the next morning. We play in Montreal that night and walk in, and like the place is covered in pictures from that run. No. Yeah, so I'm like – I didn't say anything at first because I didn't really know the guys and I didn't want to come in and be like, that title, that's BS. (laughs) So I didn't say anything. And then once I became friends with like uh, Marty St. Louis and Le Cavalier, and I don't know how many other guys would have still been there. Might have just been those two. Then we were out and I'm like, okay, yeah, Marty, you know that game was over in six. And he's like, get out of here, Mike. I'm like, that puck was in. But yeah, it's it was in game seven when we went – Happy Bula made that big save in the third. I think it was on Leopold. But you could kind of, watching that game too, you could kind of tell it, we were behind. Like, yeah. we were, we just, everybody was trying. But Don't was, get me wrong. Just emotionally spent. Just, it, we were just a little bit behind, a little bit slow, whatever you want to call it. Like, Tampa was all, and I mean, it's game seven, and you're yeah. at home, you can win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah. they're flying. Yeah. And we just didn't, we, we tried. I mean, it was... It was close. That was that. I mean, that's about as close as you get without without winning. It was crazy. It's like, what was it? What do you think that year? Because that, I mean, you were up and down that year too, like for yourself personally, you know. But it's like, what was it about that team? Like, did you did guys get a sense like we could do something here, or is there just something that kind of slowly builds 
game after game, series after series, where it's like we just take it shift to shift by shift, day by day, and, and suddenly we're here. Yeah, of, you know, it was kind of a slow thing, I would say. Like I got called up, I had a really good camp that year, uh, but there was just no space, so I was back down in the minors, and then I got called up. Yep. played a couple games and then uh, separated my shoulder. I actually got ran from behind here in Calgary, so I was out for six weeks. And I came back and played a few games before the playoffs started. I think we were the sixth seed, so everybody in town was fired because it had been a while since the Flames were in the playoffs, like '96 or something like that. Deal, like it had yeah. been a while, uh, so we were in, but we really, our team, like we were confident in ourselves. Like I, I don't, nobody would have said we were going to do that, but yeah. what we ended up doing, but. We were confident. We knew we had a good team, but we were playing Vancouver. Vancouver was unreal. They would have been – I mean, we knocked off the top three seeds. Yeah. Detroit, San Jose, and, and Vancouver. You know, we didn't have home ice in any of them. Vancouver had that Bertuzzi, Naslin, Brendan Morrison line. Yeah. They were the best line in the league, or yeah. one of them. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of, I think it was more of like a comp. We knew we were good. We had a – I think our strength was we really – we had two really good players, which – which you usually need as your goalie. Kiprasov was unbelievable. Yep. And we had Jerome. And Jerome was, I don't know how many goals, but Jerome did everything. I yeah. Mean, setting up plays, scoring goals, Fought. physical, fighting. I mean, he did everything. I mean, he was kind of leading the charge. But we had a we had a gritty team. It was That team was probably the toughest team I played on. Yeah. Like, tough, like playing tough, like hard to play against, and also like, I mean, it's not so much of a factor anymore with the new kind of NHL, but like toughness-wise, I mean, we had we had Chris Simon, but but these guys could play. We had yep. Olawa, Christoph Olawa, who he didn't play all the games, but he played. I mean, he could get around the ice. Yep. So I can see how we did well. Is we had the most important position. We had a really good goalie who was on fire, and he was on fire the whole time he was here. But he was really on fire then. Yeah. We had some guys that could finish a little bit. And then we had a bunch of guys that were hard to play against, and yeah. that's how we won. Like, there, there's no way like other teams coming in to play against us would have been like looking at that lineup and been like, "Oh, I can't wait to get out there." <laughs> that's right. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. seven or eight guys oh. out there that are like, "Oh God, Take like, my this guy's off. gonna run you." Yeah, like, I better watch it around a guy like Chris Simon, or he might literally punch my face in. Yeah, you know, that guy was one of the scariest dudes. Nicest guy, but one of the scariest guys yeah. I've ever been around. I'm just gonna snap and I'm oh, gonna, I'm gonna end it. Like for he you. looks crazy yeah, to start, yeah. and he's six four, two hundred and forty pounds. Just a giant. Oh. It's funny you said that though, man, about the new NHL because I think I think somewhere in the middle is the answer for the Flames now. This current edition of the Flames, like I look at them and I go, a lot of talent on that team, uh, a lot of skill, guys who make plays, guys who score goals, all that stuff. But I think there's like a nasty element missing in that team where there's. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's bad for winning. There's too many nice guys on that team. And I think yeah. you need – I'm not talking about people talking about enforcers and all that stuff. I mean just guys here like when you go into the other team's building, like they hate that guy or, right. or those three guys. Like, right. There's just that element of nastiness to it. Yeah. I don't think this team has that. I think there's um, there's that element missing. Now, those guys aren't a dime a dozen. I understand that. Sure. But, but I think that's what's missing. I don't know if you agree or not. No, they, they, they need some grit. I think – they need to, they need a little bit more scoring as far as top to bottom of the lineup, but as far as and I like these guys and, and but they need some guys I think like their top end guys you know your Goudreaux and your Monahan and don't get me wrong these guys are really good players yep. and they can score and they're great on the power play don't get me wrong but when and and they're still young so there's lots of time for everything to change but when push comes to shove and you. 
you get away with more when the game gets a little bit tougher in the playoffs. Are these guys if they're on the power play? Great, awesome. Like the, the, these guys, those are two of the most fun guys, especially Gaudreau, to watch on the power play. Monahan, you put the puck on his stick anywhere in the slot; it's in the net. Yeah. But when the game gets a little bit tougher and the the rules get a little bit loose, I mean, you need some guys that can. You need some grit in there, like some, like you said. I'm not talking about fighting. I'm not no. anything close to that. But you need somebody that is going to be able to take a whack and give it back. Yeah. And or take it no problem and not disappear. I'm not yes. saying they disappear, but they can once in a while. You can hide out there, man. And you I think hide. that's any team sport where there's contact. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're you're going to the spot, but you're not going to the spot with the same intensity right. you would if you, going there with a purpose. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just going to go here there. and. It was funny. I was at an event a little while ago, and uh, I was doing a Q and A, and it was uh, Theo Fleury was one of the one of the guests, right? Now that guy would get in there, dude. So he's sitting. <laughs> that dude he's, was. He's, that guy was the definition <laughs> of getting in there. <laughs> he, he sat literally a, like a half a foot away from my face, and I was talking to him about like, you know, what were your strengths? Do you think? And he goes, he looked me right in the eyes, and he goes, I was willing to die on that ice. And he goes, and my challenge to the guy across from me was, are you willing to die on this ice? And yeah. he goes, that was at the face-off dot was like. I'm willing to die. Like I'm. I don't know if you. I don't know if you want it as bad as I do. And I go, yeah. I don't know if everyone has that. You know what I mean? Like no, people are still I mean, competitive and yeah. they're hustling and all that sure. stuff. But are you going to go to that next level? Yeah. Like I will take that puck in the face. Yeah. I'm willing to lay down here. Right. That's not everybody. That's not everybody. Right. That's not everybody, and that's not. Uh, and I don't that's know if you can teach teachable. It. No, no, you're right. I don't think teachable. you can go. Hey guys, so. bring it in. Uh, yeah. We gotta want to die out yeah. here. Like you either got those guys, you either got it or not. Or you know, it's right? either in you or it's not. Yeah, and I mean, uh, another guy I think from from that team from '04, a guy like Vili Neiman, right? Who was like yeah. just a Billy pest and pain in the ass. I think he's got like 90 teeth in his mouth. I used to always <laughs> laugh when he smiled. It looked like he looked like a shark. <laughs> well, that guy was the biggest pain in the ass ever. <laughs> And he was a deadline pickup too. And he's like another guy that like I need to look at that roster. You know, years go by, and he's one of those guys. It's like man, and you never really. He was unbelievable. Yeah, and he was a pain in the ass. He could skate. It was like just would, I remember like every scrum. I don't know why, but it seemed like even if he wasn't on the ice when the shift started, by the time the whistle blew and there was a scrum, he just always seemed to be on oh, the ice, right face in washing there. someone right and in there. Oh, he was a pain in the ass. And another great guy. I haven't seen him in forever. I mean, I'd love to see that guy again. I wonder what the hell he's up to. You should do a big reunion. That's what you should guys do. I know. The 04, just have everyone come back to Calgary and do a a few events and then just go. The Flames should put something like that. If the Flames don't, we just should. Just put it together. Just throw it on. It would be fun. He'd be one of the guys. He was was great. He was a pain in the ass. (laughs) I love Kiprasov too, which I found was funny. Like the guy just like retired, walked away. Like it was like, did he was he even in the league? Like he was just he just gone. He just vanished. What was he like as a teammate? Like was he just was he that quirky like in in real life? He, like, he's he, a little bit different. Yeah. yeah, I like him. I get along with him, but he's a little bit he's a little bit different. He never did too many interviews around here. Yeah, but that was by design. I think he kind of played it off that my English isn't very good. Right. His English is fine, <laughs> for the record. I had a few conversations. Not that he's very talkative, yeah. but yeah, he, no, he his English is fine. <laughs> yeah, but he was just, he was to himself. But no, he was really well liked. Like, no, good guy. Like once you got to know him and everything. Like, was he different? Yeah, he was a little bit different. Yeah, but he was great. Like, I think. I mean, I was only here for a little bit when he was here, but I liked him. He was personable, like one on one or in the room or whatever, like that. But yeah, he is like, he was a, 
I kind of figured he probably, even from my short stay with him, and I don't know him great yeah. at all, but even from my short little time with him, I'm like, I figured like when it's done for him, like he's gone. <laughs> you won't see like, him as an analyst. Gone. No, he is not going to be on TV. <laughs> what he's done here he's, is he's played the puck around the boards. Like you're never seeing that. Oh, right? Like Let's go to Kipper will, in between the benches. Yeah, <laughs> just be sitting there with a smoke in his mouth. Yeah, I didn't see the first period. I was up crushing some beers yeah. there, but I look at the score here. Who's playing? <laughs> What's going on tonight? Sorry, fellas, a little late here. But he was amazing. I mean, one of the, I mean, he was amazing. Every every one of those games, he was amazing. But like, what was the one game in particular? Detroit. I think they won the President's Trophy that year for the best team in the league. They were stacked. They were stacked. And then we went in. It was game one. Yeah, game one. In Detroit, and I mean their their lineup. I'm like looking at this lineup. I'm like Hall of Famers. Oh my, yeah, Hall of Famers everywhere. Yeah, I'm like wow. I'm like we got our hands full here, <laughs> and we yeah. It's like <laughs> we end up playing, and I can't remember the I, don't, I can't remember what the score was. It, um, it was it had to have been a one goal game unless there was an empty netter. We ended up winning the game, and the shots like were. Like, I mean, maybe we had 20. Uh, I'm going to take a guess. It, it felt like every sh- – well, the whole game was like that, but I know when I was on the ice, like I don't remember any shifts where we had possession in their end. Like it was for the 15, 16 minutes I was on the ice, just it was 15, 16 minutes of defense and chasing and D-zone coverage and just praying that Kipper fu- or Kipper stopped everything. And it was – yeah, his – like he was – it was insane. Well, it's crazy too because like that works both ways. Like when you're playing in front of a guy like that, like you you develop a confidence of like he's sure. got our back. But when you're the other team, you're like, man, we ain't beating this guy tonight. Like you start trying to pick oh, corners. Oh yeah, and, you the, know I'm those guys just... had to have gotten frustrated. I mean, yeah. and it was like it wasn't just one of those games where they had 50 shots or 45 shots, but they weren't that good. It was like 45, 50 shots, and these were like grade A opportunities from the slot. Like I mean, Brett Hall and yeah. Shanahan. Iserman and Ray Whitney was on the team and Thomas Holmstrom. Nick Federoff? Lindstrom. Was Federoff there then? No. No, Federoff wasn't there. Uh, they were stacked. They were stacked. Like, I remember looking at the lineup. I was like, <laughs> then we won game one. <laughs> we crazy. got, we did get killed in game two. I remember that. We got killed in game two, and that was when uh, uh, Hatcher fought, uh, or Gimlin, actually, Jerome went after him. Jerome fought Hatcher. I actually, actually, the exact same time, I fought McCarty. I came in there because I didn't really see the play, but I saw, like, they were whacking each other. So I came from the other end of the ice. The whistle had gone, and I was – you can't even really see it on the – I've looked at it on YouTube because I'm like, obviously they're not going to focus on McCarty Commodore. They're going to focus on <laughs> Hatcher right. and, more importantly, Jerome McGinley. Yeah. And I came in there to because I'm like, well, I'm going to try and – you know, this is our best player. I didn't know Jerome, like, when seeing the replay. Like, Jerome's mean. Yeah. So he went right after him. Like yeah, he let's wanted go. and Jerome can handle himself like better than I can. So it's yeah, not like yeah. I was really saving anybody. Yeah, I wasn't saving anybody. Like he didn't He's need like, my you're, help. You're actually impeding my progress. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't helping him. I was actually would have gotten in his way. So it actually probably worked out good that on my way McCarty grabbed me and suckered me, cut me open for oh, a few. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right out you can't even you can't really see it. You can just see the corner of it. But Ugh. anyways, yeah, we ended up beating them in six two and crazy. It was crazy. When did you because I was talking to Tommy Whelan Jr., who's the coach 
he's the coach of the Calgary Foothills under 23 soccer team, mm -hmm. but he's going to be the coach and GM of the Calgary, Calgary Cavalry, the pro team that's coming here next okay, season. Okay, nice, yeah. So we talked about last year he was on the podcast, and we talked about uh, like when you're a player sometimes and, you, and you're used to – you play at a high level, you've got a lot of you know um, accolades throughout your career kind of thing, these players. But then when you get to another level – you realize everyone else is as talented or more talented. And then sometimes you have to kind of reinvent yourself and go, okay, you're going to play at this level. You're going to have to do A, B, and C, which you don't normally do. Mm -hmm. For you, did you ever get to a point in your career where you said to yourself, okay, to have a job in this league, I got to do these things, and that's going to keep me employable and give me a career. I can't be these other things. Right. Did you, was there any kind of reinvention for you or just where you focused in on this is the player I got to be. Yeah, there was yeah, there was I would say there was a point um so yeah, I mean I turned pro in 2000. There was a point where like I would say that I took a puck in the face like when I was in junior here, but it junior here is a lot different than pro. But I was definitely never scared to fight. I don't right. mind fighting. When I'm when I'm pissed, Let's no go. problem. Yeah. Zero zero problem fighting at all. But one thing that was an adjustment for me that I don't think I ever really got good at, but I knew I had to do it because I'm I was six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds, um, and it didn't come natural to me. Was like my first two years pro. Now my first year I couldn't really fight because my ninth game I took a puck right in the face. Um, but my second year, and then I got traded to Anaheim, and and that was the year that Calgary traded for me at the deadline. But it was during my third year where I'm like you know what, I'm like, if I want to, I can get around decent skating-wise, I'm like, if I want to get a chance, I'm going to have to do something a little bit more. And because of my size, I'm like, I'm going to have to, now, I, just, I wasn't an enforcer, I wouldn't say, at all. And I didn't fight all the time. But I'm like, I need to be willing to fight when I don't want to. Like, not just when you're mad. When, when I was mad, no problem. Right. But if the team's losing... If things aren't going like that wasn't natural for me. It wasn't like okay, the team's losing. Like I need to like I'll go yeah. out there and fight, no problem. That wasn't something I was used to doing, and so that was something that I don't know if that's reinventing, but that was something I realized that I'm like, you know what, this isn't really me, but I need to do it. I at least need to show up and do do something like this. Yep. In order for people to notice me and remember me a little bit and maybe give me an opportunity. Right. So you realize, yeah, you had to change that aspect. That's a change in your game, right? Where it's yeah. like, I mean, it was something that didn't come naturally. Bit, yeah, 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 definitely. You know, because of my size, like, you know, and I started doing that in the minors a little bit and then a little bit in the NHL. Uh, you know, it wasn't like I was, when I had to fight somebody, it was going to have to be, chances are, the toughest guy on their team. Yeah. Right? With somebody that, especially in the minors, too, is like, oh, my God, i got to fight this. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> there are some tough dudes in the minors. <laughs> that's right. That the only reason why they don't get to play is just because they can't really skate that well and they, yeah. they just can't really keep up. Yeah. But they're tough. But and they're that's what these guys shot. do. They get 30 fights a year, and I'm like, oh, my God, i got to fight this guy. <laughs> so I would try and, like, still be smart about it. Yeah. But... Yeah, that was that wasn't either. Yeah, like at the time, like if you were six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds, and twenty five pounds or whatever, like a physical defensive defenseman, and you didn't, you have to do, be able to do something. You have to stand out in a way. Yep. And if you know, I got buddies that were pretty much the same as me, but they didn't do that, and 
they never played. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like some guys are willing to make that adjustment to do what it takes to, like, get a job. Other guys go, well, I've never been that guy. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But if you're not going to be that guy, then we're going to find a guy who is yeah, going to be that you, guy. And they're going to find somebody. And they will. There'll be somebody sooner or later. And next thing you know, I mean, we all know folks who are super talented or just weren't willing to make that adjustment to whatever. And that's a choice, right? I mean, For that's, sure. hey, it's not my style. It's not what I do. It's like, okay, but we're, we've got jobs here and uh, we need that job filled. So. Yeah, you either do it or you can try and find it elsewhere. Good luck. See you later, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. What was Sutter like? Like, I mean, I, I, you know, you see him in the interviews and stuff. And, you know, he's kind of he's uh, all the answers are short, and he seems yeah. kind of gruff and stuff. But like, as a coach, what was what was it like as a player on that team? I liked him. Like in my short time here, I, I liked him. I thought he was he was to the point. He was like, um, I would say, from what I saw in my time here, he was really good at. Probably his best trait was he knew how to motivate you. And he knew different personalities, in my opinion. He knew different personalities, and he knew how to motivate you. Now, sometimes that really pissed guys off, and maybe some guys wouldn't react well to it. But other times, like, guys would get it, and he could get guys fired up, and he would get guys playing. I really liked him. Some guys didn't, but that's like any coach, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like any person, really. But – um no, he was he was good. I mean, I wish I would have played for him longer. Yeah, would be probably the best compliment I can give him That's from a me. Compliment, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, he he liked me for whatever reason. I just shut my mouth, and he would come like, what was that? We were playing San Jose in uh, one of the first two games, games one or two, and I got hit from behind. I was never very good at drawing penalties. <laughs> I got blatantly hit from behind like eight feet from the boards. So hit from behind. I went down on my knees. I didn't even have time to like lay fully out because I was, I was going back for a puck. Yeah. And so, and it was, it was Marlowe. I remember because I was so pissed. Yeah. And I never, I never even the score with him. And I, and I, I heard he's a great guy. So <laughs> it's all over. You all is forgiven. Pass, yeah. But you yeah. I've have gotten it. over it. And he hit me from behind. I went on my knees, sliding into the boards hammered my face off the ridge of the boards there, broke my nose. So when you break your nose, eyes are watering. I'm like, so the play goes on. There's nothing. I kind of go down quick, then I stand up. I'm like, can't see anything. I'm like, I got to get back to the front of the net here. So I go back to the front of the net, and I I barely see the puck kind of goes. There's I forget who, it doesn't matter. Somebody's in the high slot. It might have been Marlowe again, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) Forward is in the high slot. I didn't quite get out there. He got a shot. I would say it was like a mediocre – I mean, Kipper was a net, so he's going to save it. But it was like a mediocre scoring chance, I would say. Nothing crazy or anything. I mean, yeah. I was in front of the net. He had to go high. high slot, yeah. yeah, high slot. And I came back to the bench bleeding all over myself. Like I'm like this because my eyes, I can't see. And I sit down. And what did Daryl – Daryl came down, and he said something like, you going to play like a man or you going to keep playing like a pussy? <laughs> I'm like, I turned around. I was so mad. I'm like, playing like a pussy. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I turned around and looked at it. I'm like, I never wanted to hit a coach so bad in my life. Well, there's been some other times, too, that I would like to have hit the coach. But I turned around. I'm like, and I came close to saying something. And I'm like, you know what? I ain't going to say anything. I'm going to go. 
and but it was good. Like I realized, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say anything to him. I'm going to go out there. You think I'm playing like pussy? Well, let me try and change that. Take so he off. was really good at like that. But some guys could take that the wrong way too. Yeah, yeah. Some so. guys be like, really, dude? What else have I got to do? Right, and then yeah. just shut it down. Be like, yeah. oh, you don't like that? I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. So so it doesn't work for everybody. No. Uh, there's a question I wanted to ask, man. Like, as a soccer player myself, when did this whole pregame soccer shit in the in the outside the dressing room stuff start? Did that, <laughs> that was that always the way it was? It's been a long time. A long like when you came into the league, were guys knocking soccer balls around? Yep. Right away. Yeah, right away. I would. Yeah, that was. We never. Uh, I don't think. I don't think that ever. Yeah, they call it two touch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we did it in college. I'm gonna guess it probably came from european guys coming think, from overseas yeah, you're probably right maybe yeah late yeah. 90s or something like that or yeah late 90s but it seems now and also too i guess with the coverage of more cameras like you're seeing stuff behind the scenes a lot now. More, maybe it's been yeah. going on forever i don't know yeah but it's, it's definitely like, been going on since i turned pro for sure yeah so it's right. been a thing going on all the time were guys on were anybody on your team that was you're like oh that guy could have probably played soccer at some point was anybody who was pretty good who was good um, first name that came to mind that I remember. I would play. I would say I was probably like a. Uh, I was probably a fifty percent player. Okay. I didn't play all the time, but I would yep. play once in a while if they needed a guy or if I just didn't have anything else to do. I wasn't a really big like warm up guy. Like I would do. I had a little four or five minute thing that I would do right before I put my gear on. Other that I was just drinking coffee. Yeah. Uh, so if they <laughs> needed a guy or whatever, I'd go out there and play. Pavel Datsuk. I remember he was really good. Yeah. From my brief time in Detroit. Uh, it was usually the European guys. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like a North American guy that was good, and I'm sure there was. I just can't remember him. Usually the European guys were pretty good. Yeah, they probably grew up with it a little bit more, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. Played it. I think Pavel, I'm pretty sure, I think like his training, I'm pretty sure he told me this, was like his training when he would go back to Russia, like his summer training was basically like some on-ice stuff, obviously, but I think he just played soccer. Crazy. Like I don't think he was a big... Well, he was a weight room guy. Kind of his his workouts were weird, like really weird. He would do them. Oh, yeah. oh he was yeah. He would do. They had a, like the worst weight room ever in at the old Joe Lewis in Detroit. Oh right, yeah, the old. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was like the leg extension machine and like the hamstring machine, and he would like go around there and like do a bunch of sets of this, and I'm like, like. Is that really this is what's this guy like a bodybuilder? I'm like you don't look like a bodybuilder. Like but he would summer. like go do that. But I don't think I think his program was all summer. All he would do like other he would skate a little bit. I think, but other than that, all he would do would play soccer. Wow. Yeah. And then he would just start lifting like in camp, and he would do that thing that he would do for Crazy. two weeks. Crazy. Yeah. But to it this worked. day, man, like some of his goals, you just go like, I mean. It's embarrassing what he did to some people. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, where you just go, and and I always think, too, like, this isn't me out there, right? Like, this is not me trying to defend this guy. Like, this is, yeah. these are the best players in the world, and he's he's given a guy, like, the how she going where he goes to the other corner, and just, you're like, do you know how hard that is to do? Like, you oh, played, yeah. so it's like, did you appreciate the skill, like, that you saw, like, day in, day out? Yeah. When I, like, I probably played against him the most in my career. When I played, I played for two and a half years in Columbus. So, we, Detroit was in our division right. back then. Um, so yeah, that was when, like, I knew he was really good, but I never really played against him a whole, whole ton until I was in Columbus. And then, yeah, I mean, it was almost, it was almost un not unfair, but it was getting kind of close. <laughs> I do remember like a shift in, in Columbus. I was having a good year too. And he was out there and he, what did he do again? I haven't. So he he came down on me. I think he like had a scoring chance 
before or whatever. And when I was on the ice, I'm like, all right, that's not happening again. And so he came down on me, and I, I knew he was good with the puck. So I'm like, go to keep him outside. But he did a little something. Didn't like it's not a high right light real thing, but kind of like maybe look a little bit stupid. Yep. And still went to the outside, and I was pissed. I'm like, that's it. So not only he kind of walked me, danced the puck through me, made me look like a bit of an idiot. <laughs> So then the puck ended up in the corner. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm going to just run this guy. So I took like, I mean, I had 40 pounds on him anyways. <laughs> and I took a run at him. I'm like, I am going to kill this guy. <laughs> and he just, he saw me coming at the last second out of the corner of his eye. And he just leaned his shoulder into me and knocked me right on my ass. No way. Yeah. Just and I got up and I'm like, man, I can't even knock this guy over. <laughs> this guy's basically just, you know what? I'm just going to do the smart thing and just keep this guy to the outside. Yeah. If he's going to score, he can score from out there. Keep my distance. Yeah. 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 Just kind of contain him to the outside. But yeah, he was, he was a special player. Crazy. It's funny now, like I've heard players talk about Connor McDavid and about how they turn early now. So when you're a defenseman, you're backing up in a neutral zone. You're like, he's going to go past me. So I might as well turn now. Yeah. And so I can at least be skating forwards and got a shot. Like I was like, I think it was Paul Maurice was talking about it. And I'm like, he said he's never, ever seen that combination of speed and skill where a guy's like, you have the gap and you're like, we're good. Think you're good and he's gone. And he's like, no, no, no. I got you right where I want you. So guys start turning early now to go, well, I better just get this started, I guess. And I'll probably just stay central because if I go out wide, (laughs) you're just going to go. Those guys are turning and the only thing they're thinking about really is keep him to the outside and your angle better be to that that strong the near side post yeah i'm going then straight at least to here. you might get a pretty good shot but as long as you don't just keep me the outside and don't get too far ahead of my other or you'll cut it in on you it's over yeah it's over it takes that line from it's like he's been yeah i never played against him but yeah i've yeah some of the highlights and i have a couple friends on on the oilers team chris russell i played with in um, yeah he was in calgary yeah Russell, oh yes, Russell was in Calgary. Russell, yeah. before that, he was a rookie in Columbus with oh, me. Right cool. Russell and I were roommates, so when the Oilers were on, uh, when they went on that little playoff run there, uh, or they won a round, I guess it was what it was, but I went up to a game, and then I went and saw Russ after. And so I just asked him, I'm like, man, I'm like, that kid's fast. I'm like, what's it like practicing against him? He's like, man, it's insane. It's like this guy is so good and so and Chris Russell can skate. Yeah. Like Chris Russell wasn't like me, slow. Yeah. Like Chris Russell can move. Yeah. And he's like, Man, this guy is crazy. Embarrassing. Like like the one on ones, he's like because if there's any kind of like it isn't even fair. He's like, I can keep up with everybody else. Yeah. But he's like, if there's anything where we have to like move our feet and if it's even like a little bit even if it's like even if it's a little bit of a disadvantage, sometimes they set those one-on-ones up so you have to move your feet, and yep. you really don't have a chance. Like you don't no, have no. much of a chance. You're going to defend, yeah. Yeah, but even the, he's like, even the ones where we have a little bit of an advantage, he's like, he's blowing by guys. I'm like, crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's it's uh, it's thing with speed too, man. Like there's no substitute for it. Like no. in any any kind of team sport, basketball, soccer, hockey, it's like it just makes up for so much. But then you combine that with the actual skill right. level. Like the goal, was it, was it the one McDavid scored last year or the year before where he, he got a breakaway from his own hash marks against the Flames? He, was, they were killing a penalty. Do you know this oh, one? Yeah, where do. he just took it down the right side. And I'm yeah. like, how did he – he picked it up in his own corner. Everyone was on the other side of the pocket. It's like there's no way that guy gets a straight – Gone. And he just went like – gone and it's like might have been that like the first game of the year it was yeah i was like i've never seen that ever in my life like a break like no one blew a tire it was just like no no, we just can't get there no he's just that much he's got another gear at least in front of most people insane yeah so you did so you win a cup in carolina right Mm -hmm. yep 
was that like just out of yourself? Like, is this actually happening right now? Like, what was that experience like to actually lift the cup to go like, I finally did it? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was like, uh, I mean, the whole year, that was a really special year. You know, lose to um, Tampa in 04, and then there was the full lockout year the next year. So lose to Tampa, and then I signed a one-way contract. So I was getting one, so, you know, after four years, I'm like, all right. Lockout hits. I'm like, back to the minors again. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, back to the minors. I'm like, God, I can't stay out of this league. It doesn't matter what I do. But it actually ended up being, in hindsight, it ended up being one of the the greatest things to happen to me because that, at the time, Calgary and Carolina shared a farm team for that year. So I ended up playing the full year there. I had a really good year, and Carolina ended up trading for me because the Carolina – Calgary wasn't there that much, and I think a lot of it was just because of the distance. Yeah. But Carolina was there all the time. The head coach, Peter Laviolette, was there a lot. All, right. all these guys were kind of cycling through. And so they traded for me. Um, yeah, and we were supposed to finish 28th or 29th in the league because the Hurricanes were brutal in 3 4 yep. uh, And we ended up winning the whole thing. But, yeah, as far as experiences go, uh, yeah, it's really, really hard to put into words. Um, yeah, I mean, it was – I knew we had a good team going into the playoffs. We were actually, to be honest, it was kind of similar a little bit, um, I would say, to Washington this year a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost our first two games. We had a we, we had a really good team. We lost our last regular season game of the year, and if we would have won, we would have been first in the East. We lost our last regular season game. We finished second in the East, so we had a good year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if we lost three games in a row all year. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were good. Uh we lost our first two games. We played Montreal in the first round. The Canadians came in, beat us first two, so we're going back to Montreal, just like Washington this year went into Columbus. And, or Sorry, Columbus came into Washington. Down 0-2. Yeah, down 0-2, heading back to Columbus. Mm. So same thing, going into Montreal, and then we ended up winning four straight. Um, so I knew we had a, we had a good team. Um, but, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, it's hard to put in words exactly. You know, we had, like, we actually had to make a couple different rules. Like we had, I mean, Carolina was crazy too. Like they don't get great fans when the when the team isn't good. Yeah. I mean, it's a basketball area, college sports area. But I mean, they were there. I mean, that year was really good. We had a good team. Um, but yeah, after we won, you know, do the cup thing, and I actually didn't have my parents would come down. They came to games in the finals. I can't remember the rest, but in the finals, that my parents came down for game one, two, and five and then so we ended up we were up three one after and my parents live in so they were at all the games in edmonton i mean it worked worked out great that right, way yeah. right they lived 20 minutes from the rink so game five uh, my parents come down and we go to overtime we're up three one so if we score it's over we get a power play our power play was disgusting so i wasn't on it <laughs> i was sitting on the bench and i'm like power play couple minutes into overtime i'm like get her done stick a fork in these guys it's <laughs> over like yeah. done uh, who was it? Corey Stillman. I don't know what, what he was doing, but <laughs> he came out from behind the net. I think he went to pass the puck and, like, kind of fanned on it. And it was basically like Fernando Pisani could have one timed it, I think. That's how it was just right on the ladies' tees for him in the slot. Boom. Pisani, I think, had like 14 goals that run. We lose. We go back to Edmonton. We get spanked in game six. And so we're going back to Carolina. And my parents were like, hey, you know, like, we'd like to come down. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, just lost the year before. Like, we were just up 3-1. Now it's 3-3. Three, three. 
like if we lose this game and we don't win, I'm like, I don't want to see anybody right. family wise. I don't want to see. I am going to be going off the deep end for a few days. <laughs> I don't want my parents around. That's right. So I was like, look, like don't take this the wrong way. But I'm like, I just want to do things how I've done them all year. Right. And that's on my own. I want to go through my own program. I don't want to have to be. I, knew, I my parents are super low key. They don't require any maintenance at no, all. No. But I'm like, I don't want to be thinking about anything else. Just this. So then we end up winning, and it's like, oh, I wish my parents were here. <laughs> yeah, so it's like right. we win, and it was like they changed the rule after they – or they made a rule probably because, uh, like, we win, and there was, like, everybody's aunt – like, I don't know how many people were on the ice. <laughs> I remember standing there. I was there by myself. I'm like, who are all these people? Like, the rink was <laughs> packed. So I'm looking around. I'm like, nah, it would be nice if my parents were here. But as we were celebrating, I like gave my, I got my cell phone. One of the guys ran and got my, got my phone. So I called him oh, as cool. I was on the ice. So no, it, it all worked out good. And they don't. Yeah. There's no ill will there. Crazy. But yeah, it was great. It was it was a great experience. Um, yeah. But it's hard to put into words. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, I've often wondered this too. Like when you look at how long, if if you go to like Game Seven, if you win it, great, uh, Stanley Cup Finals. But like. How beat up are guys by the time this thing is over? Like when people talk about, oh, you know, because yeah. it always comes at a day later, like so-and-so played with two broken ribs or whatever. It's like what what kind of state is the body in kind of like when you wake up the next morning or if you haven't, you probably haven't slept, but when yeah. the next day you're like going, wow, okay. Like does it all hit you then or were you, you know what I mean? Like, what, yeah, what I would say, yeah. When we, when we won in Carolina, I was definitely, I was hurting for sure. Um, I would say it was probably a couple days later because that night I didn't sleep. That's right. I'd basically been boozing from <laughs> from the moment we got into the rest dressing with that Stanley Cup. I was basically having a few beers for a solid, I mean, 24 hours. Ovechkin well, more like? than that. Ovechkin-like? Maybe not quite to the level of him. <laughs> He's got a lot of cameras on him, that guy. I mean, I was, oh, and he won it in Vegas. And then, yeah, so Same. I won't say it was Ovechkin-like, but I, I definitely held my own. Um, so yeah, I would say a couple days, a few days later, I was like, man, I'm tired. Yeah. Like, and my body was sore, but I think I was actually probably, even though I played way less, uh, just in those two experiences, the finals, I, I do remember Calgary. Like I was, I was beat up. Like my, yeah. I need, I had to go for wrist surgery. My hands were all messed up. Uh, Carolina, I don't remember being quite as bad, but I, I remember a shoulder. Uh, yeah, I had a few things. I mean, nothing, I mean. Once you get, unless it's like an injury, 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 where like you you can't go, where you just like you can't go. Yeah. Usually, or for me, anyways, it was like, yeah, well, my wrist doesn't feel good, or whatever, my ankles got whatever it is. Once you get out there and the place is jammed, the people are screaming. It's like I'm good. Let's yeah. go. It'll feel. Yeah. Yeah. It feels fine. It'll now. come around. That's what Gretzky said, right, about when they lost to the Islanders that time when he walked by mm-hmm. their dressing room. Yeah. And he goes, rather than, like, the hooting and hollering, he goes, he just looked and saw, like, guys with tons of ice packs yeah, on. Yeah, they're, they're like, goes, done. Oh, that's what it's going to take. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, are you willing to pay that price? Like, right. that die, die for it kind of thing? And he yeah. goes, that's when I realized, like, that's what it's going to take for us to – talent won't be enough. It's going to have to be. Yeah. Talent isn't enough. Broken it's not. bones and whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So you so you retire from the NHL, and I, I don't know why I'm to this day, maybe because I played sports, not at a pro level, but sports is always a big part of my life. Like, There's nothing sadder to me, man, than an athlete retiring because I think this has been their whole life, and right. you see these guys with these, you know, these press conferences and stuff, and they're you know, talking about whatever, and I'm like, I don't know, I, just, I feel like that transition, it's got to be monumental, man, like to be, okay, I'm walking away from this life that I knew, and for some guys – 
obviously it comes quicker than they would have liked. For sure. Um, you know, it's injury related or whatever it is. Uh, but for you, what was that transition like for you? Did you have an idea as to what you wanted to do or were you kind of like, ah, I'll figure it out? Yeah, that's been very, that's probably been the most interesting thing. No, no idea. I actually still don't know what I want to do. I, right. I mean, I'm working and stuff now, but I don't know if it's for me. I'm, I'm liking what I'm doing so far, but no, no clue. Um, what I wanted to do, um, was fortunate enough that I knew that, well, once I retired, I'm like, you know what? I want to take some time and I want to golf. So I did do that, went yep. to Phoenix and did that, but that was just kind of, that's just a temporary thing. Um, I was fortunate enough that I made enough money where I don't didn't have to work. It's not like yep. you know I finished and I'm like, look, I got to start working here to pay the bills. So I right. was fortunate in that regard. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. Like it's all of a sudden it's is like you said, like you know, I would say what, there's maybe one guy a year maybe that gets to retire on his own terms, yeah. NHL wise. There's there aren't too many Nick Lidstroms out there where it's like you can play as long as you want and when you're ready to go, you can just go and. Out yeah. you go, like you. Very rarely do you get to retire on your own terms. So yeah, it was it was really interesting. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, September's here. Phone isn't ringing. Yeah. Uh, nobody cares what you're doing. It's one way to look. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's like, a, and I remember being down in Phoenix and kind of a. I knew for me, I joined at a nice golf club in Phoenix, so I started playing golf, and I was like, well, and this probably went on for I'd say probably five weeks get up in the morning i had some bs membership at a lifetime fitness i'm like you know i know i need to work out i don't want to blow up i don't want to be one of those guys so i would say in five weeks i probably walked in the front doors of lifetime fitness maybe five times (laughs) i would say i actually did something maybe twice and it wasn't much and i would just go to the golf course and you know every day and oh somebody's having a drink and i'm oh yeah it's a tuesday whiskey water yeah i got nothing to do (laughs) And then after about five weeks of that, I was like, okay. I'm like, this ain't the road to go down. Right. I can see where this is going, where it could go. Yep. I'm like, I need to change things up here. So I got into a different routine. Um, but it's it's hard. It's, you know, and it's kind of forbidden to think or talk about while you're playing. Right. You know, like that doesn't really. Guys come. don't talk about it? Guys are kind of like, hey, man. Very, you know, I would about- say very, no. Maybe one-on-one with a guy, maybe like. Yeah, but I, there's no, and it's a big deal. Yeah, like once you, it's a back but it's it's deal. kind of you, you don't want nobody talks about it. Is it kind of a almost like a superstition kind of thing, or like someone talking about a will? I guess right where it's like sure. you're admitting you're going to die, and like right. I don't want to talk about you that. Just dark don't want to think about it yeah. out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to play forever, man. Let's, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's uh, yeah move up. Yeah. yeah, but it's 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 interesting, and I get that it's like oh yeah, it's, it's so hard. Yeah, I mean you got enough money this and i get that side of it too right. i totally do and i'm the first one to say that i'm very fortunate where i didn't have to work but i mean you got to keep the mind entertaining it's interesting i've seen you know a couple of guys and a lot of guys retire in phoenix and kind of wherever i've traveled around and stuff like that and uh, i've ran like ran into some guys that had some problems yeah and guys i didn't think like yeah, pretty square dudes that you wouldn't think would get themselves in trouble. Have had moments where I'm like, man, this guy needs some help. Yeah, like whether it's well, it's usually alcohol. Yep, you know that comes in, and it's and then if you bring injuries into, like I was really fortunate. Well, two ways: one that I had enough money where I didn't have to work right away, and two, I like I can't really complain about my body. My head's good. 
neck. Like yeah. everything's good. Like right. I don't have any issues. So, and I'm single, like a, you know, a dated or whatever like that, but I don't have anybody else, you know, barking up my tree or right. Like, I couldn't even imagine how hard it would be. Like, it's just me at the end of the day. I just have to take care of myself. Right. Whereas, you know, for those guys, if, I mean, if you had to retire, let's say you needed to work fairly soon, you have no idea what you wanted to do, but you need to work because the bills that get to get, need to get paid. You've got your body's killing you, whatever it is, your knees back, your head, whatever, all of them. And you have a wife and kids now that are relying on you. You're all you're also around the house all the time, so that's going to be different for your family, right? They're used used to be you being gone. Right. You're around, especially your wife more. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm just guessing, but yeah, yeah. I'm assuming being around the kids more is great. Being around the wife more when it's a, a change like that, that can I know that for not because it's through me, but that can be hard. I mean, that would be a lot to handle. Yep. A lot to handle, and so I can see how guys. Oh, we get sideways on them. Yeah, I, you're right because it's a full, it's a complete 180 of the life that you knew. I watched that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 broke. But the I haven't seen that, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, I, I heard know, it was unreal. Oh, it was, dude. It's like you know, you sit there and you listen to it and you shake your head, but then you go. The more you get into it, and you realize a lot of these people had no plan, and this wealth was not something that they ever imagined they would have and you're spending it like it's always going to be there right. and then suddenly you know you're retired and you're like the taps off you got nothing man like there's no check coming like the, this is it and you're like well uh this was the whole plan this was it and yeah. now you've been dropped off at you know 29 years of age 30 years of age and uh you're broke and you got a bunch of debt and you got a wife and you got three the kids. bills are still coming doesn't matter. No one cares. Yeah. And you're right. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It was just, it was one of those things where I was like, wow. Like I felt, someone said, I don't really feel bad for these guys. Screw them. They made all this money. But I'm like, no, nah, man, I, I feel bad for that guy. Because if you wake up one morning and go, I had all that money and now I don't, that's uh, a dark day. That would be a dark day. Right? That would be a very, very dark day. You, you just have that moment of like, man, what did I do with that? And I mean, I'm sure you would have come across that in your career of players who are like, you know, the money's coming fast. If do you guys get paid? Like, that's the one thing. Because I heard Kobe Bryant had it negotiated into his contract. He got paid <laughs> twice a year. Did you ever hear this? No, I never heard So that. that's the way he got paid. It was like, I want two lump sums. Bam. And oh, then six months later, That would have been bam. two big bams. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. No, I never heard yeah. that before. For you guys, when you get your, like for payment, when you guys get paid, was it like a weekly thing, a bi-weekly thing? Is it like a... You get paid every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks during the hockey season. Okay. So in the summer, once, once your salary is broken down to whether your NHL salary, if you're on a two-way deal, like your NHL salary and your American League salary. So your salary is broken down per day. So okay. When you're when you're on a one way contract, it, so your salary, if you're making a million bucks, is broken down throughout 200 days or whatever it is. How okay. many days Length there of are? Season. Yeah, from okay. the first day of the season, whenever the first game is, to the last game of the season, whoever that is that's playing, like regular season. Right. Um, and then in the minors, that's why it was always so huge when you were young. Is like really like every day matters. Because if you have two salaries, right? So like when I was in the minors, my or when I was my first four years, I was making you know somewhere between $450,000 and $550,000 when I was in the NHL and I was making $50,000 when I was in the American League. Right. So that's all broken down per day. So like every day that you're up in the NHL, I mean, that's times 10 on your paycheck right. every day, right? So yeah, yeah. like when you're young, every day is huge. That's like right. literally, I remember being like every day matters. Yeah, Because basically it was one day 
Well, basically, one day in the NHL was two weeks in the minors. It's pretty much how it worked out. Yeah, 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 like money wise, math wise, that's pretty much how it worked out. Yeah, by and large. Because that's is interesting. Because in that documentary, the Thirty for Thirty, he goes, "There's a football player." He said he could remember at the last game of the season, teammates asking him for money because they weren't going to get paid during the offseason, obviously. Yeah. So they'd be like, dude, you would be able to hook me up with a few bucks. It's like, That's dude, crazy. you make more than I do. It's That's like, crazy. It's like, oh, yeah, man, three houses and six cars or whatever it was, you know? It can go. It can go. I mean, it's, it is crazy when you just think about, like, it can go. You can easily... You can spend it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can spend it. You can pick your spot. It's, like, yeah, I mean, I, I get it too. Like, you know, someone had a joke. A comedian friend of mine had a joke about Justin Bieber about like how he, he, uh, you know, he's being a bit of a dick or whatever. And he's like, you know, I was like, they got, they were like, but you know what? The the kid is worth like a hundred million dollars. Like, he made a hundred million dollars, whatever it was. And he goes. I was a dick in university when I had a hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you know oh, yeah. what I mean. So he goes, "Yeah, you imagine giving a sixteen-year-old a hundred yeah. million? Yeah, you're gonna be a bit of a dick. You're yeah. renting Lamborghinis. You're driving down Miami. Like, oh yeah, of course you are. Like, but yeah. people sit on a pedestal and go, like, oh, I would never do that. And right. It was me. It's like, would you? you yeah. Know? I, same kind of thing with I did this basketball thing uh, right after we well we won in the June of '06, and so in September of. 2006 the following season chris paul the basketball player oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's from greensboro uh north carolina so he put on a charity event like hockey players like the bowl i didn't know this till i went to this event like or sorry hockey players like the golf yep basketball players bowl that's kind of their golf <laughs> okay. i didn't know that till i did this event oh, right on. and so went to this event and and there was like chris paul carmelo anthony Dwayne wade lebron james it was all kind of the big names Crazy. there were some and I was like, met Dwayne Wade, and I'm like, hey, I've never met him again, and I'm happy with that. I'm like, this guy's, <laughs> like, this guy's a dick. Like, and then like LeBron James shows up. Like, I'm not a huge fan of his interviews, and he says some very self-centered things. And yeah, he's the greatest player in the league. I get that. And I'm like, man, this guy's a dick. <laughs> but then I, I do think I'm like, you know what? Like, if. Nike would have handed me a $100 million shoe deal the moment I graduated high school. I don't know how I would have turned out either. Yeah. I mean, you can't. No. So, yeah. It's I like, mean, he's a dick, but it's like, I can't even, I can't really judge. You can't. Yeah, I can't. I've never been anywhere near in his shoes. Yeah. And things, I would imagine things are going to get skewed. Money isn't everything, but people are going to look at you way, you're going to be treated way differently. And yeah. when you're 17, 18 years old, I couldn't even... I couldn't imagine. Well, you're right. You throw age into it for one thing. I mean, I know people who are 25, 35, 45 who wouldn't be able to handle that level of success and money and access to stuff. But, like, you add 16 to that. You're a kid. No one's telling you no. Everything's yes. You want that? You want these drugs? You want this booze? You like those girls? Everybody's telling you how great you are, whatever. Yeah. All your songs, awesome. You're the greatest player of all time. Like, of course, unless, I mean, you'd have to have, some super grounding, some parents who are just like military style. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't you forget where you came from. But most people, I mean, you're going to be overwhelmed by that. Like, oh, for that's sure. Got to happen. I, I couldn't even imagine. You know? So so it's it's one of those things where I, as I get older, I kind of understand now. Before, I was pretty pretty judgmental. Like, ah, guys. Right. Me now too. I'm like, nah, I get it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me too. When it was happening at that event, I was like, Chris Paul was awesome. I never talked to Carmelo Anthony. I'm like, Dwayne Wade's a dick. <laughs> 
LeBron James shows up two hours late. He's flying private, so it's not like his his flight was delayed. You shows could. up late. The event can't start. Our training camp started the next morning. So you were like, I gotta get out. I'm like, I'm not st- like this isn't an all nighter for yeah. me. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. We gotta be. Yeah. I gotta be on the ice at eight o'clock in the morning, and I'm yeah. not in Raleigh. I'm in Greensboro. So I'm like, this guy's a dick. Rolls in. He's got his shades on. Doesn't take them off. We're inside. He's got his sunglasses on. Doesn't really talk to anybody other than his peers. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's an ass. I'm out of here. What's the going the on? older guys were cool. I, I do remember it was, um, what's his name? Byron Scott. Yeah, yeah. He was old. awesome. I ended up bowling against him. He was great. Oh, and cool. Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues, the little guy. The little guy. Yeah, he yeah. was awesome. Cool. I ended up hanging out with those two guys, and those guys I can't say enough good things about. I had a blast with those guys, and they were down to earth like you could have a conversation with them it wasn't just like yeah all about me and yeah. ask questions about me and it, they were good i really awesome. liked those two and chris paul was good too i will say that yeah he was a big star i mean it was his event also but yeah chris paul he was well spoken uh i liked him too yeah it's one of those things too uh, i've tried to learn this over the years like when i meet somebody now who's got some kind of status i often think like what was my expectation going into meeting them? And mm-hmm. like, was that realistic to start? And also context of where we are. Like, you know, we were at the targets for kids thing. It's like, it's a bit more casual. You can actually shoot the shit with someone for a little bit. But like when people are being pulled here and there and it's like, whatever I go, someone, someone will say, Oh man, that guy was kind of cold. It's like, yeah, but this is not the event. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's always that context to it too. But then there's some people who are just dicks. There are some that are straight up. Dicks. It wouldn't matter where it was. It's like, some people can be straight up dicks. I just don't care. And yeah. I'm all about me and I'm amazing. So, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's that thing too. But it's always great when you meet good people and you're like, oh, thank God that guy's actually cool because it would have, yeah. he had this, rep- like this image of them. You'll appreciate this. So last year, Ray Whitney like and I are friends, um, like I said. So Ray lives down in, uh, in, in the summers, he lives down at a place called Gauzer Ranch, which is across the lake from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay. And it's like a community. Um, they've got a really nice golf course. And so he invited me last year to the member guest. So there's a, there's a few hockey guys. It's a, a pretty big community. It's really, I mean, it's awesome. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, but and there's lots of different people there. But there's a lot of hockey guys there for whatever reason. So there's like Ray Whitney, uh, Doug Waite's got a place. Brett Hull has a place. Brendan Morrow, Guy Carboneau, Barrett Jackman. Um, Sheldon Surrey, Wayne wow. Gretzky has a place there. So I've never met Wayne Gretzky. So I, I roll in here for the member guest. Ray and I play golf, and I'm missing a couple other hockey guys too. But anyways, it's super nice out. So the first night there's like a dinner. So I'm sitting and um, sitting there with Ray, and then my D partner. He was actually in the event too with another guy, uh, Brett Hedekin. We're sitting down. It's an outdoor kind of thing, eating. And uh, just the three of us at a table for eight. Very, very casual. I mean, this is casual. Say whatever you want. Have a good time. That's the only thing that matters. Sure. And uh, I get a tap on my shoulder from behind. And it's like, hey, Mike, you mind if I sit down? Or, hey, Mike, good to see you. You mind if I sit down? And it, so I don't see who it is. So I've like got a half mouthful of food. And so I'm like, yeah. You know, I turn around and he's kind of walking around the table. I almost spat my food out. It's Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so I'm like... I finished chewing quickly. He's always good from behind like, the net. You know, he came I'm behind like, the net just from behind the oh, net. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have saw him out there either. And he comes around. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Wayne, feel free to sit down. You're more than welcome to sit at this table. And so I can't. So I ended up spending, you know, I sat there, had had dinner with him. Very casual. 
saw him a couple times on the driving range and as we're going out to golf uh, in the evenings, hung out with him, went over to his place and hung out and him and I was so mad at my buddy. Like I'm not really, I'm not a guy that takes pictures and I've never really asked for too many autographs, maybe any, like I appreciate what people do. Don't get me wrong. I just like the autographs. I'm like, I don't really care. I know I met him. I'm like, that's all that really matters to me. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like I don't, I really don't care. I got the memory of this. Right. That's all I need. I don't need anything signed. Yeah. Um, but I was actually, I was mad, not mad, but I was, my buddy, it was me, it was Wayne in his house had like a little, um, like a little kind of you kind of, um, bench, the sofa or whatever with a little table. And it was a very like social thing. And it was him and I sitting there and BSing and like ripping on some people when they walked by and having fun. And (laughs) anyways, I'm like. In my head, I'm like, man, I really wish somebody would take a picture of this because this would be an awesome picture. Yeah, for yeah, me. and far better than one of those posed photos. Yeah, like, like you and him laughing. Right. It's like, like, oh, you really do know him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, this would be, a, and it's like the first time I ever thought of it in my life. I'm like, God, this would be a great picture. Yeah. So one of my buddies who plays on P, on the PGA Tour, he was at this party too, and he was playing in the event. So I like, in a little break in the conversation, I messaged him, and I'm like, his name's Colt, Colt Nost, and I'm like, Colt. I'm like, can you please take a picture? And I sent the text message, and then I got back to to, to bullshitting with Wayne, and he he saw it after. I'm like, oh, I, yeah, no. So we ended up, and I'm like, Colt, did, did you take a picture? He's like, man, I just saw the text, and he goes, you weren't sitting there anymore. <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. Wayne moved. I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> yeah, going anywhere. Like, Wayne had something else to do. Yeah. Hey, so, Wayne. but anyways, I can't say enough as far as like at like I cannot say enough good things about him. He yeah. was, and it wasn't just me. And he had no reason to be, I mean, nice to me. Like, he didn't, Yeah. he had no real reason to. I mean, I cannot say enough really, really great things about him. He couldn't have been more accommodating, and he didn't have to be at right. all. He was awesome. It's funny, yeah, you said that, because I, I did a, I talked to Alan Doyle from Great Big C and mm-hmm. stuff, like, on the podcast, and he talked about meeting Russell Crowe and, like, Elvis Costello and these people, and, like, how he had one of these surreal moments of, like, being in their company at dinner kind of thing, and you're like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, right. And he goes, what he realized in that moment, he goes, they're just as interested in you as, as you are in them. He goes, that's what makes them who they are. Like a lot of the greats, it's like, they have a genuine curiosity about people and learning and doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Um, and he goes, they also probably had that same moment themselves. Yeah. That someone that they looked up to and really for sure thought was had legendary status, gave them time and was kind to them. And so they just were like, well, I'll just, I'll just pass that on. I'll just be nice to people too. Yeah. Whereas the people who feel, I find in comedy, especially the people who feel threatened and are kind of, they're, they're usually the biggest dicks. Yeah. You that know? makes like, a lot of sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they For don't sure. have the talent as whatever, but they think they do and they feel hard done by and they don't like, Hey, get out or uh, this room's private or whatever. It's like, well, what do you care? Like yeah. it's, you know, yeah. but there's always that insecurity. I think that they, yeah, that's a good point. They have that, you know? So, yep. um, all right, man, we should wrap this up. We're at uh, a buck 40, dude. Killed we crushed it. it. Killed it. We today. could have had our own show. Yeah. Just bringing our next our guest uh, <laughs> coming in out of the bathroom. Is, uh, <laughs> guess who it is? LeBron James. Oh. And you, I know you oh. busted his ball. You must have told him to be here three hours ago because there's no way he got here on time. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Didn't you hear the jet land? They're on the street. <laughs> Just land out there. Uh, all right, well, what's the, what's your plans for the rest of the summer? What do you got going on? I have uh, not a whole lot. I mean, working for Triton, um, but I have a golf trip. I've tried to really – that was one thing. I, part of the reason, and it sounds bad, but part of the reason why I started doing something too was 
I need an excuse to not go on all these guys trips because I, <laughs> I, 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 and they're fun. Don't get me wrong. I love them, but it's like, you know, no wife, no kids. Yeah. And green light, everything, green light, everything. So like <laughs> from the last three, four years, like buddies are like, well, just mess. If they need somebody, they're like, well, just, just hey, call Mike. Yeah, he he doesn't have anything going on. And 99% of the time, I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll do it. So I'm like, this year, I'm like, let me, I got to, I need an excuse. You need some it's anchors almost, yeah. in life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need like a job and a dog. I can't go to that, guys. I got a job. Yeah. I, I got this other just thing got I got to do. I got a dog. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep a foot in a normal world. Well, yeah. That's a good problem to have, man. You know, it is a good problem to have. Know. Yeah. So I just, I have one little trip next week, and then uh, I've got uh, another little golf trip that I've done. Uh, to Scotland and Spain with a few guys. Nice. Going to the British Open. That's all one trip. Sweet. And that's it. Other than that, I'm around. Sweet, man. That's uh, looks like you got a great summer. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. It, it was, was a lot blast. of fun. Cheers. Appreciate it. It's how it all started. See, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you it was going to be an authentic and honest chat? Huh? And now you know what it's like to be in the NHL. Huh? Not all easy, not all roses. And uh, God, I love that one. That was such a good conversation. I'm a lucky man, you know, for people to give me their time like that and uh, and to just open up and be so uh, so honest about their lives and their experiences. So big thanks to my Commodore for that. So here's the thing. If you really enjoyed this, you know what I'd love? You know what I'd really love besides chocolate almonds and chocolate ice cream? You know what I'd really love? I'd love for you, yes, you, to go to iTunes and give this a review and tell me how much you love it. You know, just do a little review. It just kind of bumps up the podcast and the ratings of things, and then more people get to, to see it. Or, I'm sorry, not see it, hear it. See? See how new I am to this? You see how much I need your help? See? See? Um, and, yeah, and share this podcast with uh, with your friends. If you think there's a conversation they would enjoy listening and listening to, and maybe you listen to these podcasts like I listen to other people's podcasts. You know, if I'm doing the dishes or doing some work around the house or if I'm driving um, or whatever. I like I like listening to good conversations. So um, maybe you can pass on the good word to your friends. So if you can give a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, I really, really do appreciate it. It means the world to me. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Generators. Can you